Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. We are certainly getting closer. Good Wednesday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton. This was probably the time, I feel like, every year where it was like, is the clock going to move any freaking faster to December 25th? Do you remember, as a kid, did you have any of the, the countdown devices, the little... Yeah, and we currently have one for Rosie, which I had as a kid. It's like a snowman, and you move the snowflake like one day. Okay. You know, it's 1 through 25, and we you had, move I it think, one day. I think we had a... You know, it was like a house with the windows, and each one had like yeah, a oh, sure. or something in it. We don't really follow the day-by-day, day, though. We like to jump days, yeah, I, so our math <laughs> may be more reminiscent of your days in Lawrence versus what you're doing right now. Fair enough. I It, it was, you know, you tell me if this sounds crazy, Kevin, because I thought about this, and maybe part of it, I, I don't know, but as Christmas draws closer... Or Hanukkah, which we're in day four, I believe. Whatever you may celebrate this time of year. To me, the whole like magic of the season, from the music to the traditions, everything else, is it awakens the nostalgia that allows for the memories of people who are long past to like kind of be alive still. Yeah, I think that's like I think said. of my grandparents every year. I think of like the traditions of when I was a kid. And my Aunt Dottie and my Uncle Walt and my grandparents and people that are no longer around. But because I do that every year, it allows their memory to be very vivid as opposed to fade over the course of time. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And then kind of on the other end of the life spectrum, and we're really feeling it this first year. Mark certainly felt it for a couple of years. Just seeing like Rosie's pure joy. Oh, I'm sure. Is awesome. And, and, and just again how much she just lights up at whatever christmas related activity we are doing um is absolutely awesome so again safe travels to everybody out there whether um it's hanukkah kwanzaa christmas uh this time of year of course is a busy travel season and we'll continue to keep you updated weather wise i know friday it probably is a good thing we don't have the show on friday because it continues to look a little dicey thursday night into friday morning from a wind and temperature standpoint uh, the snow totals don't look quite alarming here i i thought i saw yesterday like a handful of inches maybe that's good because there was some thought because chicago mark is what like a foot uh if that if not more you know my running joke every year but it's true is how in the world mother nature knows exactly where i-70 is because <laughs> yeah, exactly. literally every right. year it's like now just north of 70 it's mm-hmm. crazy but and then the 500 465 blocks all the showers th- right that's true that is right um you know, the one thing that I say, and I know I'm annoying when I do it, but the one thing that I will say, folks, please keep this in mind, especially over the next 72 hours. If you've got, even if they are predominantly outdoor pets, if you've got them, move them inside the next three days. Yeah, last time I'm sitting there watching um, IU and Elon and thought, boy, uh, Xavier Johnson trying to get around campus on that scooter is going to be a little difficult this time of year. Yeah, you're right some icy patches for him uh indiana handles and, and you don't want him driving the f- well boy i didn't even think about that part that's certainly true yeah a lot of a bus trips uh for xavier johnson coming up Ninety six seventy two over elon last night uh purdue will get back into action tonight they've got new orleans at nine o'clock 
It's a late tip from Mackey. Uh, I think it's on ESPNU, so some TV probably played into that. And the Pacers, after a couple nights off, um, they will face the Boston Celtics. That is a 7.30 tip for the Pacers. Jake, first time seeing Malcolm Brogdon this year. And he's been a nice player for them. You know, I, I think Malcolm Brogdon probably in Boston, um, that's probably the best role for him. I think he's a, he's a really good player. He he does do he has the ability to do a number of different things. He can do each of those things really well when called upon to do so. But when everything was on his shoulders, it wasn't that he played poorly in it. But I don't know that he that everybody else ran off of him. So I think he's a better reactionary player than he is getting people to react to him. But he's done a nice job in Boston. Yeah, I thought Boston presented the opportunity very well. We don't need you to come here and play 38 minutes. We need you to come off the bench, be the lead guy for that second unit. Uh, We'll happily let you rest at different points during the season. We get your injury history, all those things. And I think we saw it in the finals last year. They just didn't have kind of that lead guard to go to. Uh, in those moments. So he's only playing 23 minutes off the bench, but it has been very effective, particularly as a score for them. So uh, the Pacers will see him tonight, of course. And as we mentioned yesterday, this is the hardest stretch, I think, of the season. Three-game stretch when you look at at Boston tonight, at Miami on Friday. I know the Pelicans have lost a few, but um, still that'll be a challenge at New Orleans coming up on Monday for Indiana. The Colts made a couple of interesting roster moves yesterday we can get to. The Colts have not been very active on the roster move front this season. Uh, but a couple of, I think, notable names. Uh, hometown kid coming to Indy as well. And uh, they cut, honestly, one of their more effective players I was going to say, w- were you surprised by that? Yeah. Uh, uh, Fadio Deniabo, um got cut yesterday. And I guess to describe him... He's number 59, the dude that does the sword dance after each sack. It's a very nice dance. Great rhythm, I feel like. He's very effective with it. It's uh, I enjoy seeing it, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, he got cut yesterday. And I guess I had two initial thoughts, Jake. One was, did he request this? Does he say, hey... It's late in the year. I've kind of been a journeyman. I'd like to be picked up by a playoff team. That was my first thought. My second thought was, did they cut him because of the penalty at the end of the game? I mean, surely. He was the guy that was laying on, was it Jefferson or Hawkinson? I, I, I kind of forget I who it was, it was. I think it was Jefferson. Um, you know, Jeff Saturday expressed frustration at that penalty after the game, but... It wasn't to the point of like, that penalty cost us the game. You know, it wasn't like to that degree. Uh, but this is a guy that's had, I think like three and a half sacks for you coming off the bench. has been easily your best rotational edge rusher. Um, I, I found that move interesting yesterday. The, um, the Jonathan Taylor news, I don't think is necessarily of surprise. Kevin. Were you surprised that they IR'd him as opposed to just... I mean, I, I guess you create a spot there. Right. I, I think that's a, that's exactly what it is. Now, but, did you see who they promoted to the 53-man roster to take a spot? I did. They went back to familiarity, right? Yeah, and Jordan Wilkins. You know, Wilkins has had such an interesting career to me. He's averaged nearly five yards per carry in his NFL career. That is a big number. And it's not like he's ripped off. It's not like he has 70 carries in his career and two of them went for 80. So that can be like a very skewed number. No, he's had over 200 carries in his career and 
doesn't have an 80 or 70 yarder that can again really skew things. Um, so right now it looks like for Monday night, and I don't know, maybe no one cares about this. Maybe some people on fantasy teams care about it. Zach Moss, Deion Jackson, and Jordan Wilkins. That will be your trio Monday night, and I assume that will be your trio the rest of the season. But I will reiterate what I said yesterday about Taylor. Um, I get the injury is not a torn Achilles. It's not a torn ACL. But how the Colts handle Taylor's contract extension coming up this offseason and or Michael Pittman's contract extension I think is going to be a fascinating storyline in an offseason with many, many storylines. I Does this officially, Kevin... Insert Jake jumps to conclusions here. Does this? And by the way, good morning to you. Uh, my name is Jake Quare. That is Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton here as well. Mark, you awake? Well, well yeah, sure. <laughs> Sounds like no it. cereal, Mark. Uh, yeah, no cereal, not yet. No R- late start. Too or many been things up for a while? to bring. It's too many things. I'm trying to trying to not bring so much stuff. Okay. No cereal. Minimalist, bowl, Mark Dykton over here. Milk. Are you living in one of the tiny houses now? No. Okay. Um, Should I? Such a millennial, you. <laughs> you sound like a millennial minimalist, right? No. Cereal um, bars for me. Boy, say it that is a Wednesday times. morning. Well, I'm a tongue twisting champion. 1990 North Central High School J Everlight Career Center Radio and TV program. Thank you. So I could probably do that, Mark. But I'll or Kevin. But I'll lay off. Oh, um, thank thank you for that. That's <laughs> the greatest Christmas gift I've ever received. Uh, Wednesday morning here on 93.5-1075 The Fan. Does this mean yesterday, Kevin? And looking at it, and Jonathan Taylor going to IR. Have the Colts officially, even though they are still mathematically alive, and even though they will tell us that there are all chips in and everything else, does this officially mean they punted on the season? With what move? They're, they realize they're, there's nothing left to play for. With and, Taylor uh, going IR? Yeah, with Taylor. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I, I think it's a high ankle sprain, and I think he's legitimately out for three or four weeks. Um, I guess if you were to have the Christmas miracles of all Christmas miracles and make the playoffs. Uh, could Taylor return at some point in January? Sure. But I think it's a guy that's had three different occasions this season where the ankle injury has sidelined him. And for a guy that's never been hurt, I mean, literally never been hurt in his football career, NFL, college, high school. Uh, I think it's fine to shut him down. I, I, I don't think it's a punt. I think it's a very wise move. Um, by the Colts in doing this. And is it at all, yo, is it at all insult to injury? Uh, is this one of your buddies? Yes, it is. Okay. <clears throat> Scotty must have let him in. Yeah, I was a little rattled. You know, I'm not used to people over my so, shoulder. Usually Scotty will. Never heard you say yo before. Seven, seven ten in the morning. You can sit right over there. Um, does it at all add insult to injury that for the second year in a row, the Jacksonville Jaguars could eliminate the Colts from the playoffs tomorrow now, night. Do you go Jaguars or Jaguars? Ah, uh, boy, what, whatever I just said. What did I say? Uh, well, well, here we're going to take two on that. Just, just where as Jacksonville you were. Jaguars. Mark, two different things. He said two different ways. Right no, there. I think he said Jaguars both times. Did I? Yeah, yeah, it's ja- it's, it's definitely Jaguars, but you went with wires. That's co- that's okay though. Wires is probably more Indiana, right? Have you seen yeah. the wire? Uh. N- a little bit, greatest, not like greatest television show yeah. ever made. You and um, Stephen Holder love it. It's the greatest TV show ever made. The Wire is, and the thing I love about it is there are no wasted episodes in it. If the Colts were to play Jacksonville at the end of the year and again be eliminated, it would be a repeat of an episode we've seen before and thought we'd never see again. And it's indicative of two franchises probably going in different directions, right? Because the Colts, 
as we've talked about, I mean, you know, they're just they're stuck in that vat of suck, and the Jaguars look like they've kind of turned a corner. But the question becomes, is that fool's gold? They've beaten some good teams here lately. I can you imagine how much it would irk Jim Irsay if he sees his franchise again eliminated by the Jaguars? Jacksonville beats New York tomorrow night. Colts officially eliminated. Second year in a row. All chips in. Period. <laughs> okay. Can we get, you know what we need to do? Uh, Mark, you don't have a, now I'm assuming that none of the three of us own one of these. Okay. A private jet? <laughs> close. Very close. Very close. A hairdryer. My wife has one. Of course. Yeah. We, when we went on vacation and we got to the hotel and Shannon freaks out because I booked a hotel that didn't have a hairdryer. And I'm like, yeah, sorry. Um, I, I, Doesn't that usually come with the room? Well, I, they, they said they'd leave the light on for us. And I thought, well, this Motel Sace, as they called it where we were, uh, I figured that, it'd be nice, right? I don't right? know if that was one of your better jokes. <laughs> I'm just saying. Now, but we could just get a blow dryer to, to run and then make comments. And it sounds like we're Jim Irsay in front of the private jet because that's exactly what that sounded like, right? When he's, but we haven't heard that in a while. Colts get a Pro Bowler tonight? No. Yes, they do. I think yeah. they do. They will get. I'm, I'm thinking aloud here. I'd put it in order: Nelson, Buckner, Gilmore. That's exactly right. I think that's exactly right. Although this one for Mister Gilmore. <laughs> thank you, Mark. I, I think. T- and I'd love to flip that just so Mark can play that a little bit. Realistically, more. I think Buckner should probably be one over Nelson. The thing about the AFC, Jake, there are some great defensive tackles in yeah. the AFC. And I think that is what hurts DeForest Buckner. Again, Grover Stewart, Zaire Franklin absolutely deserve consideration. Absolutely. Never- Gilmore Gilmore has played very well. He And and he's got name recognition league wide. Right. Which I think will really help his cause. But remember when Darius Leonard missed the Pro Bowl, when he's leading the league in tackles, like it usually takes, and again, Grover Stewart kind of has a similar background to Leonard in that he didn't go to this mega school, and um, I think that is a big deal, honestly, because it is a bit of a popularity con- contest. Again, a third fan vote, third player, third coach. That's how you get the Pro Bowl. It'll be announced tonight on NFL Network. But yeah, I would put it in that order. Now, Nelson, the Buckner, Pro Bowl, though, Gilmore. this is different than... Everybody going out to Aloha Stadium the week before or after the Super Bowl. and So what is the Pro Bowl exactly now? This is, everybody goes and plays Twister. Is that what happens? I, I think a little bit of Twister. Uh, maybe like Tic-Tac-Toe on the beach. Right. Um, is it Vegas? Well, there's no beach in Vegas. I know. Well, you can manufacture a beach or two <laughs> in Vegas. Um, you can go out to um, the, the dam there. What's the, is it Lake Havasu that's like dried up and they're finding all kinds of gangster bodies? Hoover Dam? Hoover Dam, I'm sorry. But well, what's the lake that it forms? I, that Boy. sounds about right, yeah. Can't say that's on my news gathering radar right now. Oh, are you kidding me? Hoover uh, Dam. I have not been Hoover The Dam. water's retreating, and as a result, like barrels with old gangsters are floating up. It's awesome. Skills competition, I think, is what it's turned into. Yeah. Maybe a little flag football, uh, but it, obviously it's more for the hey, recognition. No flag football on the beach. Ask Robert Edwards, the Patriots running back, who yeah, ended his point. career doing that. But... Regardless, though, it is where this year? I, I thought it was in Vegas. So it's like the Battle of the Network Stars and the AFC versus NFC, and they get everybody gets a ribbon, right? Peyton, is it Peyton and Eli, the captains? They had DeMarcus Ware and Ray Lewis on the Manny cast Monday night. I think they're involved in it. 
as again, it's more for a recognition standpoint. And again, I know it can kind of be a popularity contest, but Lake Mead, by the way, thank you everybody. Lake Mead. Players now, they do also care. make the trapper keepers, right? Oh Isn't boy, trappers right? used to be a big deal. Did you have a trapper keeper? I had a trapper. In my opinion, that sucks. What are you talking about, Mark? That's brilliant. That's a great recall from the eighties. Do you did you not have a trapper keeper? Yeah, I had a trapper keeper. Okay, well that then joke, what do you have against Mead? That joke stunk. I, I thought that was decent. Yeah, thank you. A Just difference of opinion. Huh? Well, difference of opinion there. Listen, why don't you go back to your non-breakfast morning and let us know when you're awake? I am awake. <laughs> uh, it got the vibe from Parks Frazier yesterday, again, coordinator day for the Colts, that Matt Ryan, he's game plan as if Matt Ryan will be the quarterback on Monday night against the Chargers. Jeff Saturday will meet the media today for confirmation. I mean, a question that I have for Jeff Saturday, Jake, is... What are you saying to your locker room when the guy that leads the league in interceptions and fumbles, and he's not giving you anywhere near big play? I mean, you're in the basement of the NFL in big plays. It's not like he's offsetting those turnovers with big plays. What message does that send your locker room that that guy keeps his job, and yet you've cut and fired and benched many others this season? We have Matt Ryan. I think the message was sent. Because, again, Jeff Saturday's not tanking. He's not trying to tank. He literally thinks Matt Ryan is the best option. Understood. Kevin, there is too much dysfunction on this team, and there have been too many monkey wrenches thrown into the plan for the roster to think anything other than it's chaos and they are looking towards the future. There's no way if you're a member of that team and you see the owner come down and edict a young quarterback who's never started a game in the NFL, starts two games, you lose both of those, then you fire the coach, you bring in a guy that's never coached before, that the night before you were watching on ESPN, and now all of a sudden he's in your locker room gathering you up, giving you a speech, getting you ready to go out there. You go out in games, your star running back, who was one of the best players and dynamic game changers in the league, gets nicked up, so they shelf him for the year. They cut a guy that was fairly productive for you. You blew a 33-point lead. If these guys are in any way, shape, or form thinking anything other than reading tea leaves, that their franchise is chaotic and total disarray and has punted on the season, then I don't know what to tell them because they ought to just go back to watching like Matlock or something and consider that to be their investigative skill because it is obvious to everyone, right? They're done. But, but They're done. They aren't like Ursa and Saturday are not trying to punt. They're they're trying to win. I, Kevin, I was trying to get a, a D in algebra when I had a twenty two percent my freshman year. Like, also. why are you calling twenty nine year old Jordan Wilkins up from the practice squad? Right. Why wouldn't you be all in on some young dude to call up? I mean, they aren't they aren't committing to youth everywhere. Uh, they can they can say what they want, and they can. At this point, isn't that pu- scary though? Push in how they want, but they've already screwed it up. They're in total chaos, a- and the good news is they have pieces and talent on the roster where it's not a completely irreparable damage. If that's an irreversible damage for next season, I'm saying, but for this year, it's over. It's over. Again, $17 million financial dangling of the carrot and playing Matt Ryan. If you were to get hurt, unable to pass a physical come March, you would owe him $17 million on top of, I believe it's 12 Kevin, that he's already guaranteed for next season. Let me tell you the two season. times, the two things of like disappointment and an incredulous wave that I've noticed about Colts fans in the last 20 years. One of them was when Mike Vanderjet's kick sailed right against Pittsburgh. 
I was in the RCA Dome. I was coming down to, to go downstairs to go into the locker room for post game. As Vanderjet was lining up for that kick, as the elevator doors opened, I could literally, it was like when you used to walk out of the RCA Dome and that huge breeze would blow you out from the air pressure. That's what it felt like from the collective breathe in, holy cow, of 56,000 people at the RCA Dome when he missed that kick. Okay, that was one. And then the other one was when I was at Yuletide on Saturday. Yes, my apologies to those who think that I should have been glued in front of the television instead of with my parents and the rest of my family at a Yuletide anniversary celebration. But nonetheless, I digress. As as I was at the Yuletide at, at the intermission, when everybody in the place looked at their phones and saw the Colts were up 33 nothing, there was a gasp of incredulous, what in the world are they doing they're going to screw this up disappointment that they actually finally decided to play well because people like they got they got there's nothing to be gained by winning this game come on reach into the grasps of of fortitude and find a loss please and thank goodness they did if the Colts lose out they will have a top five pick um, again Rams and Cardinals this weekend so that guarantees the Colts will move, move up a spot in the draft order they're currently sixth assuming that they lose on Monday night. Is it still a four-point spread Monday with the Chargers, Mark? Last I checked, yeah. What do you mean last year? Are you awake this morning? Yes, I, well, I don't check constantly. This is what you, you, you're the fact I'll checker check of the program. Chargers minus four. Tomorrow night, Jags at Jets. The Jets a one-point favorite in that one. What do we do on this program, Mark? We educate and entertain. <laughs> okay. Did you or did you agree to both this morning? No. No, no, I did not. <laughs> This is, um, I don't know, did you guys see this earlier today? I mean, very unfortunate news, considering, especially considering the celebration that will be occurring in Pittsburgh on Saturday night. You see Franco Harris passed? Did he really? Yeah, I saw that. Holy cow. No, I did not see that. Had he been ill? Don't believe I saw anything on that end. 72 years old, and for those that are unfamiliar with Saturday in Pittsburgh. It's the 50th year anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. It's Raiders at Steelers. So scheduled to be there, I assume, right? Certainly. Um, there's a reason why they put that game as the solo Christmas Eve night game. Um, Frenchie Fuqua is who that pass was intended for. I don't believe... <clears throat> who was the Raider defender? Uh, probably Jack Tatum. Right? Yeah, I was going to say. The assassin. It was a... Familiar and name. They're going to retire his jersey at the at the game as well. Apparently, really, we had God, him it's on. Like a, such a scary story. Yeah. So Franco Harris, we had on when I did the afternoon show during the Super Bowl in 2012 on Radio Row. He came on. He was a very, very, very nice guy. Um, had a fun spirit about him. I think I asked him, and I'm sure he's not lived a day in his life since. Of you know, hey, did the ball touch the ground? Because that's always been the controversy with the immaculate reception. Was it an incomplete pass, or did he scoop it up before it touched the ground? Camera angles, there's no way to know that. Um, he ran into, not to say this about him posthumously, but it's not huge or egregious. But he was a little bit controversial during the Penn State Joe Paterno. Um, you know, the whole thing that took place with what I can't believe I just spaced the name of the defensive coordinator that got in trouble at Penn State. Sandusky. Jerry, Jerry Sandusky. Sandusky. During the Jerry Sandusky trials, Franco Harris was a, said some things that were a little bit like, whoa, dude, really? Like, you might want to scale that back a little bit. And I think that disappointed some people. Um, but a great player, 
and in the very you know i don't know him obviously but when i was around him a really really nice person um so that is sad especially considering the timing you know obviously like pittsburgh steelers history i don't know how rich it is in terms of everyone like having an immense knowledge base of it but you know that was their first career playoff win as a franchise that game yeah and then they go on to win four super bowls in the next what eight years something like that um so it's pretty crazy how everything unfolded on that did you watch any of indiana last night jalen hood shafino had 17 um did have five turnovers i i I just i think natural point guard is going to be an issue for indiana for weeks maybe the rest of the season i would tend to agree they listen with Xavier Johnson, you missed two things. Number one would be that just kind of a, a floor general, but also his ability to shoot from outside. Now, it was feast or famine with Johnson for certain. But when he was going, he was a really yeah. good, reliable outside shooter. And um, handling the basketball and shooting from the outside. I thought one of the silver linings for Indiana, and it's very tough to tell because it's Elon, not Illinois, right? But C.J. Gunn, I, I thought, gave yeah, him some uh-huh. minutes. And I, the know, other I, freshman, Caleb Banks, played well. And... and C.J. Gunn is one that I've heard people say that I think he thought he would get more minutes at this point than he has. I guess any player would feel that way. Um, so we'll, I'll be curious to see what his role is moving forward within the team. Yeah, I mean, Huchifino obviously is a really good player and very skilled, but again, just not that natural point guard. So I think if Xavier Johnson is going to miss a huge chunk of time, what you miss with that is the ability to, you have to have Hood Shafino pretty much be your point guard, and you can't play him off the ball, which I think um, he would rather do. I don't think he was a you know, full-time point guard in his high school days. Um, so I think those are questions that Indiana will have. Again, seven assists, but also five turnovers last night, and I don't think Elon is pressuring the ball like some Big Ten teams will do. It was kind of wild to see Elon had eight scholarship players. No Trace Jackson Davis last night for Indiana. Precautionary reasons. I've been dealing with a little bit of a back. Again, no Xavier Johnson. And no Jordan Geronimo either. Uh, he had a uh, little wrap on his left Did, did you hand. see that uh, IUPUI got a win over Texas A&M University Commerce? Yes. So, that I mean, that's a nice win, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, any win for the Jazz, three and right? 10, right? I saw that New Orleans, who produced playing tonight, the Privateers, by the way, that's their nickname. Uh, they have one Division One win on the year, and it's over the Jags. Really? Yeah. I thought you were going to say it's over Texas A&M University. <laughs> no, no. Now, this uh, is interesting about TAMU Commerce. They're 4-9. and nine. I thought uh, it used to be Corpus Christi. Did three, it get changed? Three of those four wins they actually traded for. That's one of their specialties down there, just so you know, at the university. That's what really. In my opinion, that sucked. Okay. Did you bring your buddy here in the corner to laugh at your jokes <laughs> no, no. because he just gave you a sympathy laugh? No, his dad, Tom Hadley, I grew up with, and his mom, for that matter. Is his well. name again? I felt bad. I don't know his name. Uh, this would be Griffin Hadley. He's Griffin. A swimmer at the University of Tennessee. Good to right? see you. Wow. That's big. Yeah. He swam at Carmel. I mean, we're, you know. That's I mean, really big. We're I just, actually amongst somebody that's accomplished some crap in high school. Right. You know I just I mean? jumped in the Carmel swimming pool. Right. You know. What Cannonball! Mark, you wear a Speedo much? Uh, Every day. (laughs) Okay. Boy, Griffin, welcome in studio. Uh, Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dykton, Stephen Holder going to join us at 8 o'clock. We'll talk some college basketball with Mike DeCourcy at 9. And it's kind of like an annual conversation we have this week, the G League Showcase out in Vegas. They are using the Elam ending. Again, Nick Elam, Ball State professor. Uh, created this ending. We've seen it in the NBA All-Star Game. So we'll get an update on that if it continues to have some traction to gain 
steam on a professional sports, professional basketball landscape. Uh, pretty nice commute in on this Wednesday morning before the weather turns later in the week. Thanks for tuning in. Kevin Corey. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Last night in Bloomington, no Trace Jackson Davis, no Xavier Johnson, no Jordan Geronimo either. Uh, Indiana wins 96-72 over Elon. Here was Mike Woodson afterwards on the Hoosiers, getting back to Assembly Hall and getting back in the win column. Well, again, I mean, tonight everybody had a chance to play. Um, you know, Geronimo came to me before the game and said he couldn't go, and I knew Trace wasn't going to play. And with X being out, you know, guys have got to step up and play and make plays, and I thought for the most part everybody did that. I don't like the fact that we gave up 70, 72 points. You know, that's... That's something I always seem to watch. So we got to be better in that area. Jake, no update on Xavier Johnson. Uh, the pictures don't look good. Scootering it around, big old boot on that foot. Again, some whispers of a broken foot. He, he's going to miss time, substantial time. I realize that it's just kind of lost in translation of the message. But it does not sound great, does it, when a coach says, yeah, before the game he came up to me and told me he can't go. I mean, I would assume that that means that Tim Garl told Geronimo, like, hey, you you're, you can't go, and then he went and relayed the message, right? Yeah. As opposed to just like, hey, you know what? Like like this morning. I you know, I got to go o'clock. study at Wells yeah, tonight for tell a you guys, like, I, I just can't go today, right? I'm just not feeling it. I, you know, I got I got lunch later. Eh, I'm, I'm out. Uh, although, Marco, it would have been nice if Jake would have given us that warning, you know, last week that he was going to miss the first <laughs> was segment that last of the week show, right? Slept? That was two weeks ago, wasn't it? I don't know. It's going to happen again, I think. Excuse Whoa. Me? Well, I might not call you this time. You're razzing me a lot this morning. Maybe I go up six fifty nine. We'll see Jake. <laughs> you know when what? We see him. You know what? You called me, Mark, because you realized you just can't get through the three hours without me. No, yeah. I have plenty yeah. of drops that says otherwise. If you've got problems with your <laughs> okay. nip, uh, you, all right, you, thank you. Uh, 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 yeah, for sure. Uh, Jalen Hutchifino, seventeen points last night, seven assists, did have five turnovers. He is the point guard right now without Xavier Johnson. Trey Galloway uh, got some minutes at point as well. Good work from the freshman CJ Gunn, eleven off the bench for the LN product, and Caleb Banks had some nice run as uh, elsewhere in college basketball it was IUPUI 6252 as we mentioned over uh, Texas A&M Commerce is that formerly Corpus Christi you gotta think right do we know what their I mean, how many is? Texas A&M CC's are there that's a good good point didn't Kevin say they're the privateers or is that somebody else no, that's, that's New Orleans, that's New Orleans. Oh. Corpus Christi well, used to be if the if they're commerce they're probably the public tiers right in my opinion that sucked <laughs> three for three <laughs> Pacers Celtics tonight. A little liberal on that button. Seven thirty tip from Boston. Ironically enough, both teams have lost four of five. I thought it was wild, Jake, when Tony East mentioned us yesterday. The Pacers haven't won two in a row since mid-November. I know, and because it doesn't feel like they've doesn't feel like they're reeling like that. But but I guess they, they are. I mean, are. well, what they're doing, to be honest with you, is you know some of the games that they have yet to drop games. I shouldn't say that for the most part. You know. Win one, lose one. Win one, lose one. Correct. Like, they're not losing games where you're like, what? Besides that Nets game. I I hate to say they're kind of losing to the games that you expected them heading into to lose. But it it does get thick now. The the schedule hits reality here for a little bit. It's going to be a tough stretch. Ten-point underdog tonight at Boston. Yeah, Texas A&M Commerce team. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Mottman might be a fan favorite of, of their mascot. The Lions? There you go. Are they really? Mm-hmm. My, my mind went with the hearts. 
Exactly. The threading the needles? <laughs> the catheters? The pulmonaries. <laughs> uh, for the Boilermaker fans, you got to stay up late tonight. Purdue, number one in the nation, of course. They take on New Orleans. That is a 9 o'clock tip. Uh, Purdue favored by 33 and a half. Oh, you got to take the half there, right? right New Orleans, 3 and 7 on the air. Like I mentioned, IUPUI, their only Division One win. Zach Eadie's putting up like Shaquille O'Neal numbers this season. I know. And gets doubled all, all day long. And it's interesting, he's still not seen, and I get it, I understand why the game has changed. He's not seen as necessarily a dynamic, can't-miss NBA prospect. Yeah, the NBA debate on Edie will be fascinating. Yeah, for sure. Because I do think that there is a place for him in the league, but somebody's going to have to kind of cater around what he brings on the floor because he does not play the NBA style today. His ability, though, to the stamina he's shown this season and playing as many minutes as he has, and he stayed out of foul trouble for the most part. Uh, which, again, for a guy 7-4 and how they officiate, Edie, extremely impressive. So uh, Purdue back at home at Mackey. Again, they've uh, played a lot of games away from home here as of late. Uh, and the news that we woke up to, just tragic news out of Pittsburgh, Franco Harris passes at the age of 72. Obviously, the passing speaks for itself, but he was supposed to be honored. And Mark, you said his jersey retired this yep. Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception Raiders at Steelers. This was a game that the NFL purposefully uh, placed in that Saturday night, Christmas Eve, 8 o'clock window. Obviously, tons of events around uh, the anniversary coming up this weekend. and It simply says that his son... Time. Doc Harris told the Associated Press that Harris had died overnight and no cause of death has been given. Um, Again, 72 years old, 12,000 career rushing yards and really kind of a cornerstone of, you know, he and I think Rocky Blyer, he and Rocky Blyer both, every once in a while you have players that just kind of represent and take on the tenor, the attitude and the, the feel of a city. And Pittsburgh, in particular, in the 70s, was just a blue-collar, workhorse, you know, factory-type town. And that's what Franco Harris was seen as. In terms of running backs, he was not the the flashy slash, ironically, of a guy that played collegiately in Pittsburgh and Tony Dorsett. Um, you know, and he wasn't necessarily the straight-up-the-gut runner of a Larry Zonka, but <clears throat> he was just a workhorse guy, right, that was... Um, that kind of, I think, exceeded what people expected for him. 12,120 rushing yards in his career, four Super Bowl rings for Franco Harris. Uh, Again, 1972 is when the Immaculate Reception took place. Franco Harris passes away at the age of 72. First Steelers playoff victory and, of course, led to many Super Bowls in the 70s and beyond. Uh, When we come back, the Colts made a roster move yesterday. They've acquired an Indianapolis native we'll explain more coming up next here whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you steven holder eight o'clock jake tease before the break um an indie product has joined the colts here late in the season and I guess if you think back to the Jack Doyle days playing on 56th Street for Cathedral High School, you go 
what, about two miles east, you'll hit Lawrence Central and the Colts sign linebacker Cameron McGrone off of the Patriots practice squad. Um, so he will now join the Colts active roster. Played at Michigan. Has not played in the NFL. Fifth round pick in 2021. Obviously linebacker does not on paper look like an immediate need, but if you are Cameron, I would think you would be happy to be back in your hometown. And secondly, you got to look at Bobby O'Karake, EJ Speed, both free agents this offseason. Obviously, the Shaquille Leonard injury situation is murky. Uh, might have some chance here to earn a role next season. It's interesting to me first that the NFL, probably more than any other sport, Kevin, you know, you know these are the greatest athletes in the world. I, I, I mean, obviously, soccer has great athletes. Basketball, we, we football. We got a I mean, you know, swimmer in studio swimming, here. Right. Let's I not, mean, you know, come on now. Yeah, I, I'm asking uh, Griffin, who swims at Tennessee, you know, so what time do you get up in the morning? Well, I, I get up every morning at 4 o'clock, and I'm in the pool by 4.30 until 9. I'm thinking, okay. Um, you know, and I, and he comes in here, and I'm telling him it's rough for us to get on at 7, and he's like, yeah, I've swam four miles a day mm-hmm. by 7 a.m. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It doesn't really but, fit the Jake Quarry lifestyle. But the, the NFL, though, I mean, I mean, you're talking about in terms of football players, obviously, and physical specimen, the upper crust of the upper crust, the upper tier of the upper quartile or whatever it is. It, it is fascinating to me the the differences maybe even like in the style of play or the different things from each respective level. What I'm getting at long-winded is it does amaze me that there is a guy that could play high school football at Lawrence Central – or at Northwest High School, or at Decatur Central, that's playing on Friday nights, that is three years removed, four years removed away from being on an NFL roster, and yet like no one in the stands realizes they're watching a future NFL player. And no one then looks back and goes, oh, I absolutely remember when he was at LC, he was dominant. You know what I mean? Like, the way that guys just kind of blend in. Paul Spicer had a really good NFL career for a long time. With the Jacksonville Jaguars yeah, primarily. Lineman. Yeah. He went to Northwest High School during the time that I was working at Channel 6 and was going and doing Friday night games every Friday night. I have no recollection of him. Space Pioneers, baby. Yeah, I don't remember a single person saying, like, you got to come out and see this guy. He's a beast. You know what I mean? Like, And that was that was probably more Jack Doyle, honestly, than yeah, Cameron Yeah, that's, that's a good you example. Know, Doyle like, was not this heralded recruit. When I mean, you were in high school, was he... I mean, was it like he? He was a good player, and certainly, definitely senior year, he was easily one of the best players in the team. But he'd be the first to tell you it was a family connection at Western Kentucky that um, allowed him to go there. Um, Cameron McGrone, I think, was a fairly highly rated recruit, and he, he went. And to I Mich- know Michigan's gotten some players out of like Warren and Beatty that were really good players. He went to Michigan. It's not like he went to right, you right. know Texas A and M Commerce, um, but. The Lions, as we've come to know. <laughs> the Lions, yes. Thank you for that. Uh, so, nice little indie connection here again. Um, you don't typically see a lot of these moves. The Colts have made a couple of them late in the year. I tend to think it's got more to do with kind of the next season than it does, oh, you're in a dire injury situation right now. I did find it interesting. Yesterday we brought up, it was typically Tuesday, you hear from the Colts coordinators, Parks Frazier, the OC, for what it's worth. And again, Jeff Saturday will confirm it later today. Uh, but he said that he is game planning as if Matt Ryan will remain the starting quarterback. Uh, one of the coordinators mentioned 
a player on the team that he would call the best leader the Colts have? Any guesses? One of the coordinators referenced a guy that they listed as the best. So you're not saying which side of the ball, right? No, and was adamant that this person was the best leader the Colts have. Uh, Let me ask two yes-no questions, if I may. Uh, The first being, is this someone who is a regular starter? Yes. Um, Yeah, 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 yeah. Secondly, has this person appeared on this radio program? Um, Yes. I'm going to go with Zaire Franklin. That was my guess, too. Boom. Um, obviously became a full-time starter this year. The Leonard injury situation playing into that. What Bubba Ventrone was saying was basically his mental, physical toughness sets him aside. Like, this dude does not sit... I mean, he's a vocal leader, yes, but in the way he carries himself... And I think back to his Syracuse days, Jake. Remember, he was the first three-time captain at Syracuse in like 100 years. Syracuse has got some football history. And... He obviously was thought of in very high regard there, um, and I think has emerged this season. So, as we said a little bit earlier, again, Pro Bowl teams announced tonight. I'm not expecting Zaire Franklin to be a Pro Bowler. Um, I think he deserves consideration for it. In a season that a lot of Colts fans will want to forget, kudos to Zaire Franklin. Signed a big contract extension for him. Three-year extension back in January. Was really just a special teamer throughout his first four years in the NFL. And I think he's proven he can be a definite starter in this league and is one of the league's top tacklers. Here's a legit question for our audience. Maybe I should do this as a Twitter poll. Are you ready, Kevin? Yeah, uh-huh. Today is December the... is. Oh, today's... It's Festivus, right? Isn't it Festivus, Mark? Uh, I thought that was Where's later that? in the week. Yeah. Is it the 21st? Today, the first day of winter? It is that as well, right? So yeah, you're a little early. Festivus is the 23rd. Oh, it is. Okay. My apologies. Um, but here we are in late December with, you know, we are through turn four on the NFL season. And the Colts are, what, four, nine, and one? Does anybody care who starts a quarterback? I hate the tie, by the way. I, yeah, I know. I, I was really hoping for four, eight, and two, though. That would have been awesome. Um, does anybody care? I mean, we're, we're sitting here talking about it. Do people truly care who starts yeah, a quarterback? I, I think there are some. Um, again, if you look at next season, if Matt Ryan were to get hurt, that is a significant financial hit for your team. That will impact your decision-making next uh, year. I mean, I get it, but but most people are like, hey, I'm not the one writing the check. On the free agency front. But it impacts your salary cap. I understood. More to do with, it's not like Jim Mercy just handed him that money. No, I get it. Um, so but I think that's think where it average, impacts it. Do you think that we, I get why we t- discuss it. Do you think the average person, though, and I'm saying it somewhat flippantly, but don't you think there are a lot of people that are like, you know what, at this point, who cares, oh, man? without Stunt doubt. Foles, yeah, whatever, who cares? I mean, I mean are there 95% really people are, of the fan base just wants to lose. Right. Are there really people that are like, oh, man, so-and-so, you know, I, I really like the way that he can read such-and-such such on the defense. I, you know, people like, I think yeah, okay. if I had a ticket to Monday night, Jake, I'd you, rather see Sam Ellinger than... Matt Ryan. And if you have a ticket to Monday night and you're not going to the game, you can send it to me on email, jake at 1075thefan.com, and we will forward that to the United Way, where a child who normally would not be able to go to an NFL game will be able to go with a mentor to take them to the game for either of the I was going to say, not only Monday night, but January 8th, the season finale against Houston, which... Yeah. And thank you to those that did so yesterday. Um, Stephen Holder's going to join us next. Stephen had an interesting tweet yesterday about 
Jim Irsay's comments recently about looking at some less obvious coaching candidates. Uh, we'll get Steven's thoughts on that here. 8 o'clock hour, Kevin Aquarian, and what looks to be a start of a sunny Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wednesday here in Indy. 8 o'clock hour in Indianapolis. Technically speaking, it is the 8 o'clock hour everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Query. Kevin Bowen here as well. Mark Dykton flying the Millennium Falcon for us. Joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline, and by the way, this is Kevin and Query on 93.5-1075 The Fan. He is a regular guest of this program on Wednesdays. You read his work, of course, with ESPN. Stephen Holder joins us to talk about the Indianapolis Colts and Steven, I'll begin with this. I was asking Kevin this kind of rhetorically, but I want you to weigh in. I realize that the Colts can say, you know, they're still trying to win games or Jeff Saturday's doing what he can to put them in the best position, etc. But uh, their moves over the last week, to me, appear to be a franchise that know it's over. You agree or disagree? Uh, I I will say this. I, I don't hear a whole lot of you know the 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 usual uh, you know sayings that you hear when a team is trying to convince itself that these games matter <laughs> like you know well we're not eliminated just yet and they're not right they're not eliminated from the playoffs which is which says more about the AFC South than them but whatever uh no one okay no one has said anything to me about the playoffs in a very long time not that I want to hear it okay granted but I haven't heard that. Normally, until the day you're mathematically eliminated, you still hear that, you know, that, that conversation. Uh, I, I would also say, you know, just in terms of them talking about, you know, having a lot to play for. And I've, I've heard things like, you know, you, you've got personal pride. I think it was Matt Ryan who even said that last week. You know, he says, you know, you, you've got a lot of personal pride to play for. Oh, well, that's a team that is telling you, this is not going anywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, even though they're not eliminated, I think the the way things have felt the last two games in particular, um, to me, I think it it just kind of leaves you with a taste in your mouth that, like, you're just waiting for this thing to be over. Can Stephen Holder with us from ESPN.com. Stephen, I want to go to a tweet you had yesterday in referencing some Jim Mersey comments over the past few weeks about um, – a willingness, I guess, to look at some less obvious coaching candidates. I believe he particularly mentioned college candidates. You know, honestly, before Luke Fickle went to Wisconsin, that was maybe the name that I would have had mm. very high on a list. You know, I, I think you know this pretty well. I mean, Chris Ballard, extremely fond of what Fickle did at Cincinnati. Um, for what it's worth, I know it was probably 20-some years ago, but uh, the college roommate of Luke Fickle was Mike Vrabel. So if you're looking for a connection there, you got a little bit of it. I believe they did coach together at at, at one point. Um, but I guess, what what did you make of those Ursay comments, and did any names pop into your head when you saw that? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it because you know, it was something that he said to me uh, several, quite a few weeks ago. Um, in a conversation about something else, and it kind of veered, as conversations tend to do with Jim Rose, they veered into other topics. And and I think, you know, he was kind of, I think, making the point 
I don't know if he was trying to solidify or, or reinforce his choice of Jeff Saturday or not, but, you know, that was certainly a very unconventional choice. And I think it was almost kind of doubling down on the idea that, you know, we should, we should think outside the box a little more. Um, not necessarily in terms of experience, like hiring someone who's never done the job, maybe, you know, I, I don't think that's the argument he was making, thank God. <laughs> but he was certainly saying, we kind of, or the NFL, not we, but the NFL kind of interviews the same profile of coach, right? You know, who's the up and coming uh, coordinator or who's the, the retread head coach, right? I mean, that's basically the profile that gets hired or gets interviewed in these hiring cycles. That's true. And so for better or worse, his argument was, Hey, you know, let's, we should think a little bit outside the box. And I I do think that, that Chris Ballard has some, uh, some history of doing that. I mean, I didn't, obviously Matt rule didn't work out, but Matt rule was someone that he had an eye on, you know, when he was at Baylor. Yeah. Early Uh, in his Baylor days. Yeah, exactly. It, and this was probably a couple years before the uh, before he got the NFL job in Carolina. So, I mean, he was kind of an early uh, early to that party, you know, if you will. Again, didn't work out, but I think the the idea that that Jim Mercer is talking about, I think Chris Ballard may already be there on some level, you know, because I think he has some history of doing that. So, anyway, uh, I don't. He didn't name names, and that's that's the hard part here. Um, so I don't know who he's talking about, and, and I, you know, but certainly when he, the way he describes that profile of candidate, we're not talking about Jim Harbaugh here, right? You know, we're talking about, you know, I think the Luke Fickle example is a great one. Someone in that, in, in that, um, at that level. Um, so Albert Brayer, Sports Illustrator, re- replied to my tweet and threw out Matt Campbell was someone I hadn't thought about, but I, I think I, I like a guy like Luke Fickle a little better, but I think that's maybe the profile of person we're talking about, the Iowa State head coach, who's, who's built a you know a pretty competitive program. NFL teams have had interest in him. Yeah, a, a place where they just, you know, it's really hard to sustain success, right? A, a program that's hard to sustain success. So anyway, um, it's interesting, and I think it's something to just file away in our memory banks as we move forward in this coaching search. Steven, do you believe that Jeff Saturday has any regret about giving this tenure a try as the head coach? I don't think so. I, I really don't. I, I take him at his word when he says that he has had a good time and that he has enjoyed this. Um, I, I mean, it's it's put him in position to be in a conversation about being the next coach just because he is currently the coach. And that certainly wasn't going to happen sitting on on the set uh, on ESPN. So, and, and the other thing for for Jeff is, I mean, look, if you're his agent, I mean, you now have you you have options. I mean, I think you know in terms of television, you know. So this hasn't been a setback for him. If anything, it's probably enhanced his career moving forward if he decides to stay in television if this doesn't ultimately work out for him so i don't think jeff saturday has lost anything here if anything he's gained from this so i really don't see any reason for him to have regret i i think this is even though it hasn't you know losing is not fun clearly but in the grand scheme i don't think jeff saturday is losing anything here i, I think he has gained from this and uh he'll personally um 
I don't say profit, but you know, it's not about money per se. But I think you know, personally, he will he will gain from this. I think. And probably did make some pretty good money here for this two month yeah, stint as well. Um, <laughs> Stephen Holder with us from ESPN dot com. Stephen, I want to go back to. Um, I believe you guys had it first on ESPN.com over the weekend. Um, basically, the NFL sending a memo out to owners reminding them of how much money they have spent on firing head coaches and GMs. Part of me read it and was like, well, it's kind of their money. They can do with it whatever they want. Having said that, Frank Reich was mentioned in the story. Uh, four years left on his contract, $9 million annually. Um, do you think... I guess I don't think Jim Irsay loses sleep over the finances of that and would lose the sleep over the finances of firing Chris Ballard on top of that if he were to do it with Ballard under contract for the same length of time as Reich was. But I do think he could lose sleep over the ego of having to fire or deciding to fire both, you know, 16 months after giving them both an extension. Do you think that would be at play at all with Irsay a little bit more? Am I willing to do this? Admit that I was wrong versus the actual finances of you know paying two guys a large sum of money. Granted, a sum of money that he has. Right. Uh, so I'll start by saying I actually think the the money. I'm not saying it's hurting him necessarily, but let me just say he is very, very, very aware of the amount of money. Okay, and I know that from personal conversations. And like how it looks or No, 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 just like just the dollar amount. Cut. Like he he I will tell you, we had a conversation uh, about this uh, about Frank Reich and and one of the things that he said is that look, you know, I I, I think he said something like you know, when this is over, I'll have committed north of 50 million dollars to Frank Reich. He's like that is a significant commitment. And I thought at first I was like, all right, he's just talking out of his rear end here. You know, I was, I literally didn't use the number because I didn't believe it. I, I wasn't sure he was accurate because he does do that sometimes. Right. He kind of throw things out and you're like, all right, there's no way that's true. <laughs> and maybe it is true now in retrospect, looking back at it, I was like, I didn't think Frank was making that much. I was like, whoa, okay. Um, so anyway, my point is he was very, very aware and emphasized uh, that dollar amount um, multiple times. So I think it matters to him in terms of just the money. Uh, then to your point about you know the the optics of it, I think that I think that matters too. I mean, you know, with especially with 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 Chris Ballard, where you have you have said or he has said some things about Chris Ballard, you know, that are hard to just you know, take back. I mean, yeah. you called him basically the, the greatest talent evaluator in NFL history. I My, mean, Michael I mean, Jordan missed shots. Michael Jordan lost games. Exactly. You've called him the GOAT, uh, you know, just recently. So, and has since doubled down on, on his um, intention to keep him. Uh, I think he told that to Zach Kiefer recently. So, I, I mean, I actually buy that Chris Ballard is going to be back. I think the question is going to be, you know, how much of the the critical decision making is going to fall to Chris Ballard? That is the question because every critical decision since the end of the 2021 season has basically been made by Jim Mersey. The Carson Wentz decision, the uh, certainly the the Matt Ryan benching, uh, Chris 
uh, excuse me, Frank Reich being fired and the, the Jeff Saturday hire, those were all decisions that were driven by Jim Irsay and Jim Irsay alone. So, or primarily, put it that way. So uh, that's the question for me. And and how does that play uh, with Chris Ballard and, and moving forward? And then the other question related to this is whoever they hire, all right, if that's, you know, is that going to be a quote-unquote strong head coach, someone who, who wants, um, you know, authority over over the roster and things like that. So there's a lot still to be determined that I think impacts how Chris Ballard operates moving forward and, and whether this is somewhere he wants to be. Stephen, do you believe, Stephen Holder is our guest, do you believe that the value that is perceived that Chris Ballard has, I'm not saying he doesn't, but his his perceived value, is it higher within the Colts organization than it is league-wide? Or do you believe that he still has perceived value among other franchises? And I've got a follow-up, which is why I'm asking it. Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. I actually think he still has a lot of value um, league-wide, a lot of credibility. Okay. And the reason why, and I know I cut you off there, but the reason why I ask that, because that answers the first part of it. So the second part is this. If there is value of Chris Ballard outside of Indianapolis, do we know for certain, if he has options, that this is where he wants to be? Because the last times that I have seen him publicly around other members of the organization with which he works, he looked like he wanted to be anywhere but there. So we're making so much of, do the Colts want Chris Ballard back? Is it also time for us to ask, does Chris Ballard want to be back? I mean, look, I have I have actually wondered this as well. Um, I, I think it's it's a little more tricky than I think just saying, hey, does he want to be here or not, right? I mean, it's not like, you know, if, if someone, if the average person wants to, wants to move on from where they work, they find another job, they move on, right? Obviously, the NFL, it's a little more difficult if you're, if you're in one of those jobs that is basically one of 32, right? So he, Chris Bauer is one of 32. Is there another job open uh, for a team that wants him? And is that a job that he wants? Is that, you know, uh, what are the financials or financials of that? You know, does he take a pay cut? All these things, right? So, I mean, it's not quite that simple, but I think the overarching question is fair. And I, it is something I have wondered. Um and the, the reason I say he still has value outside, and, and it certainly has been knocked down a notch, right? I mean, the, the team is in shambles. So that's certainly been knocked down a notch. Um, but I think his draft results, even though there have been some, some certainly some, some big questions uh, that fans locally would, would ask, right? But the draft results, I mean, Chris Ballard has a, a fantastic eye for talent. That is still true. But I think what's gotten him in trouble is the quarterback situation and and certainly uh, the, the Josh McDaniels thing is always going to be so, sort of a stain on his record as well. But but overall, the draft results, which are you know probably like 50% of the job, right? Acquiring talent, he's done a really good job at that. But there are some really big issues that I think he'd have to explain. Again, Stephen Holder is with us from ESPN.com. Colts get back to practice today. They're going to have a normal practice schedule this week, uh, take the weekend off for Christmas, and then play Monday night football against the Chargers. Stephen, I know it's not, at least when you know I'm a radio guest, it's not the question that I love the most, but uh, I'm going to throw it at you anyways because I think you can handle it. Um, 
If you're going to look at the big three in the organization right now, and that would be the general manager, Ballard, the head coach, Jeff Saturday, and the quarterback, Matt Ryan, um, if you don't mind, you throw percentages on each of those three having the same roles they have right now in 2023. Start with Ballard, go to Saturday, and then Ryan. Yeah. Uh, So Chris Ballard, GM, I I really – I think about 70%. I'd say right now, uh, the only reason it's not higher is because, you know, Jim Mercer is, you know, <laughs> Jim right now he's a little unpredictable, right? So, so that's, that's one, uh, Jeff Saturday, I think it's low. I think we're talking like 20% and, and I would go lower if it wasn't just for just the, the, the love that Jeff that Jim Mercer has for him at, that may cloud, you know, his decision-making there, but, uh, I don't think it's very high. And then Matt Ryan, I I just I think you want to say there's no chance, right? But but the, the financials do come into play. Uh, if he if he's back at all, it's because they have a a young quarterback and he's grooming him and and what have you. Um, in the same role, meaning like the guy uh, throughout the season, I I just don't think that's likely at all. There's like a five percent chance of that. Steven, they, they need him to retire. I mean, I know there's plenty of, the thing. Plenty of financial reasons reasons for him not to retire, but right. If you're him, you just you're going to sit and wait and let them make the move. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if I'm him, I want my money. <laughs> okay, that's the bottom line. I want my twelve million dollars. Sure. I think at minimum, it'd be twelve million dollars. But I think in the grand scheme, yes, I think you're right. I think I think Matt Ryan. I think it's in everybody's best interest if they give him his twelve million dollars and he goes home and he says thank. You for the memories guys uh, i'm out steven holders our guest espn.com where you can read his work covering the colts uh steven it's it's christmas time right and we've been sitting here going over the naughty list for the last 15 minutes so let's go to the nice list real quick and by that i want you to give me two names one being a player that has really done a nice job in taking advantage of a season of suck by saying you know what here's what I can do and opening eyes to the Colts organization of, Hey, you know what? We have somebody here and we didn't think we did. And then secondly, the guy right now that headed down the home stretch has a really golden opportunity to show that he belongs on this franchise and to cement himself as an NFL player. Okay. So great question. The first one I think is Zaire Franklin. This guy, let me tell you, I think he's what fifth in the NFL in tackles or something like that right now. Uh, Zaire Franklin has, has always been uh, established on special teams. Uh, we, we know he's very good there. Uh, but to take advantage of the opportunity he had this year, I, I looked this up. I don't think he's ever played more than something like 15% of, of the defensive snaps uh, in a given season. He has played 100% of the snaps this year, You know, just about 100% of the defensive snaps. And he has taken great advantage of it. And I think in, in the last few games, you're starting to see him try to uh, create turnovers as well. You know, I think he's taken some lessons from Shaquille Leonard. You know, we saw him punch a ball out the other day. And from a leadership standpoint, I mean, that was never going to be a question, right? He's a phenomenal leader. Uh, a lot of credit to him, you know, for just making the best of it and, and always having perspective, too, uh, win or loss. Win or lose, I should say. And then, um, remind me again, the second category, what were we talking about? A guy that 
is on his way to the complex right now and is saying to himself, you know, I don't want people to think that I'm enjoying the fact that we're not very good, but I got a real opportunity here. And I'm really optimistic heading down the home stretch because this is my chance. This is my shot, and I'm excited about it. So there's a guy that someone was talking to me about this week, someone in the organization, who, and then uh, he was mentioned again yesterday by defensive coordinator Gus Bradley. It's Dallas Flowers their young corner. You know, we saw him get involved in special teams a couple of weeks ago, and I was kind of like, well, who the hell is number 33? Um, I had to look him up. <laughs> and and as it turns out, I mean, he had to play on defense the other day, and they're suddenly very excited about his potential. And I, I think as they get further and further away from playing for anything here, you know, maybe that's, that's a, a guy or maybe one of, um, other guys as well who who get some playing time so they can look at them and evaluate them you know for next year and beyond i mean that, that's where they're at at this point right i mean you're you're yeah. at this point trying to figure out what you have and and what you can do uh moving forward with your roster so that makes sense to me so he's a guy to watch apparently yeah no need to play brandon face on anymore play dallas flowers play isaiah rogers down who, the stretch who was on dallas flowers hey pittsburgh state gorilla jake query over there Okay. Steven, we'll end there with we this. Uh, Pro Bowl teams announced tonight. Oh, yeah. Do the Colts get one? Hmm. I mean, I think they have some Pro Bowl level players, whether they make it and whether the, whether the stain of playing for the Colts <laughs> overrides that, I don't know. Um, I'll be curious to see whether the Forrest Buckner makes it. Um, I think he... A lot of good D-tackles in the AFC. That's the problem, right? It's, it becomes a numbers game at that position. Um, same with, with Stephon Gilmore. Do I think he's played at a Pro Bowl level? I do. Uh, but, you know, that it, it becomes a little bit of a popularity contest, and I don't know. I think those are the two candidates, the two strongest candidates, I think. I mean, Zaire Franklin is a candidate, frankly, but I... He doesn't have the name. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Oftentimes with the Pro Bowl, it takes you a couple of years of having an established name, unless you're just a fantasy football darling and everybody knows you, you know? See, that's why I, I think, think Nelson, I think Nelson's still in the mix just because players and coaches are just going to, or fans certainly are just going to yeah. write his name down. That's fair. That's fair. And, and he still is, look, he's still a tough assignment for people, even though he's not playing at the level we are accustomed to. So, yeah, I think. Those are probably the three strongest candidates, unless I'm forgetting someone. Um, but, yeah, it will not be like last year when I think, what, do they have seven, I believe? Yep. Um, it won't be seven. I can tell you that. Well, Stephen Holder has already done his penance for this holiday season and going to multiple Pacer games with Jake Query. So, hope that <laughs> the holiday season treats you well, Stephen. Stephen, have you ever have you ever enjoyed an NBA game with with a greater amount of conspiracy theory out of left field and seventies rock music references than you have with the doors that I've introduced for you in that? No, I, I will tell you, it's it's basically like a, a three hour version of this this. I'm just picturing him I'm picturing him leaning over to you for the umpteenth time and saying, All right, you might think I'm really crazy, <laughs> but this is true. Why would you think that? Yeah. Uh huh. Okay, uh, here come the power pack. You might think this is really crazy, but I've heard this about the power pack. So Yeah. Uh, Steven, happy holidays, man. Um I, I you'll probably just be here, but safe travels to New York coming up around the new year and I always appreciate the time. 
All right, guys. Hey, thankfully they're good seats uh, for, with Jake, so that mm-hmm. makes up for it. <laughs> yeah, he can thank the significant other for that one. <laughs> That's true. Thanks, Stephen. Sam, Sam Fritz that said to Shannon, you know, the, you got to stick by him because he's got access to seats <laughs> like this. <laughs> She's like, uh, au contraire, brother. Oh, man. Uh, so are you saying that I'm now that I've inherited as the greatest conspiracy theorist on this radio station? Uh, I, that might go for all of our stations. Well... <laughs> what are you saying bees christmas music mark falls yeah. in the conspiracy theory front um one name i did want to throw out there again we referenced to steven a little bit earlier in that conversation the less obvious coaching candidate names um quarterbacks coach for the philadelphia eagles is brian johnson what he's done with jalen hurts pretty darn impressive also worked with Dak Prescott at Mississippi State. Again, if you are an owner and you're kind of infatuated with the let's pair the young offensive mind with that quarterback draft selection, I think he would be a name. It's probably too big of a jump to go from quarterback's coach to head coach, but if you want to think a little outside the box, I think he's a name that would fit that mold. I'm still going to maintain... I still think Leslie Frazier will get a hard look. Like I just, you think I, he's too similar to Frank Reich with yeah, temperament? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree, Kev. I just keep hearing his name. I'm not saying that's who mm-hmm. I would go after, but I just, I've heard his name from the get go, and it yeah. just seems, you know, he, he's the one that just has kind of been around the whole time. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, obviously from Dungy to Caldwell, the temperament was the same. You didn't want to fire Dungy. You wanted to maintain the success that you were having. But if you look from Caldwell to Pagano, Pagano to McDaniel's, frankly, McDaniel's to Reich. And now even right to Saturday, those are all 180s in terms of personalities. Fair, and, and I think you see that in any hire, and probably goes for any profession. So, uh, but to your point, Jake Leslie Frazier is a guy that s- tons of organizational ties. If Jeff Saturday is still involved in some way, shape, or form, you know he was on the staff here when they won the Super Bowl when Saturday was playing, of course, and he interviewed that second time around. Dan Campbell, Frank Reich, and Leslie Frazier; those were the three final candidates after McDaniel's. Left the Colts at the altar. When I was a kid and first started watching the NFL, the two dominant teams that were, and it just it felt like a different era that you didn't have the parity that you have now. So like there were two dominant teams, and it was the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I've told you guys a million times, kids my age that grew up in markets that didn't have the NFL like Indianapolis was at that time, most kids were fans of either the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Dallas Cowboys. And so Steelers-Cowboys has always kind of been, been ingrained in my mind of like the NFL rivalry. Just And that's, that is 100% age bias. But then you get a guy named Dallas that played at Pittsburgh State, and it's like, well, this guy's a can't miss. So it was obvious that, that Dallas Flowers was going to be a great player because when you combine Dallas and Pittsburgh, in your mind, you think NFL through and through. Also, thinking of that time period um, of the late 70s and the great Steelers teams, that does lead us to sad news this morning that we learned about an hour and a half ago, and that leads off our morning checkdown. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Four Super Bowls for Franco Harris, including the Super Bowl MVP and Super Bowl IX, the 19... 
Uh, 72 Immaculate Reception will celebrate its 50-year anniversary upcoming this weekend. Franco Harris ran for over 12,000 yards in the NFL and is responsible for what has been deemed the most famous play in the history of the game against the Oakland Raiders when he caught the pass that was intended for Frenchie uh, Frenchie Fuqua and intercepted, or I should say deflected by Jack Tatum. Franco Harris passing away at the age of 72, his son uh, making that announcement that came out just before we went on the air this morning. So just so eerie, Jake, with the 50th year anniversary. So many celebrations in Pittsburgh coming up this weekend. Again, it's Raiders-Steelers Saturday night in Pittsburgh. That's the Christmas Eve solo game, and we have not heard any cause of death. Correct, you just said his son just Correct. mentioned he passed overnight at the age no of 72. No cause of death, although I don't believe he had been ill. Uh, I I guess it's unfair to speculate. I mean, they're, you, certainly at that age, you, you think to yourself, well, he must have had a heart attack. I, I don't know. I don't know that anybody knows. But, um, you know, Franco Harris really was a guy that was the, and we'll talk to Mike DeCourcy about this, among other things, who's a big Steelers fan. But Franco Harris, as much as any player that you could think of, of the the great NFL players, absolutely embodied just kind of the spirit and the tenor of the city in which he played. I, I mean, you know, he was not, he was a blue collar between like lunch pail kind of guy, between the tackles kind of guy, and a great player. Absolutely a great player. And, you know, he kind of rubbed people the wrong way during some of the Jerry Sandusky, Joe Paterno stuff in his defense at Penn State. But overall, seemingly a good citizen and a great player, unquestionably. So sad news this morning. It's going to be pretty somber. Well, yeah. It's going to be a celebratory. I, it is surprising that his number was not already retired yeah. by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I don't know how Pittsburgh handles that stuff, but yeah, that was surprising to me when I saw well, that. I thought, unless I read this wrong, they said it was only going to be the third jersey retirement in franchise history. Okay, I, I was going to say, they, they strike me as a franchise that... I mean, don't the Cowboys not retire any jerseys? Yeah, I mean, the Steelers would have... I mean, hell, you'd be out of numbers yeah. after a while. Yeah, there, right? we, oh, I got two forty-fours playing on each side of the ball <laughs> yeah, right Yeah, the now. Cowboys 88 is always like, who's wearing 88? That's the right. big deal. Uh, last night of Bloomington, Indiana, 96, Elon, 72. No Trace Jackson Davis. He was out precautionary reasons. I think we're dealing with a bit of a back problem. I know Xavier Johnson, of course, riding around on a scooter, big boot on that injured foot of his, and no Jordan Geronimo. Ray Thompson had 18, Jalen hood Shafino 17. He had seven assists, but five turnovers. So uh, the point guard question with no update on Xavier Johnson, but likely to miss more time, uh, that will be looming for Indiana the rest of the year. They just don't have like a natural backup point guard to turn to. I think hood Shafino ideally would be a little bit more off the ball. Um, so this is going to be a major question for Mike Woodson's bunch. They've got Kennesaw State. I think that's Friday, and that's it until they face Iowa on January 5th. Uh, in the association, Pacers in action tonight, taking on the Boston Celtics. Celtics come in at 22-9. and Indiana game under 500 at 15-16. and That game tips off at 7.30. And, of course, you can hear it right here on this radio station with Mark Boyle on the call, pregame beginning at 7 Ten-point underdog tonight for the Pacers. You're worried about that 30. They're halfway there. I, I'm halfway starting to sweat there. a little bit. It's Christmas season. I, but, I was sweating uh, this I'm, morning. I'm sweat it was like 900 degrees in here. Uh, tonight, Purdue has got New Orleans. They're back inside of Mackey Arena. They are a big, big favorite in that one. 33 and a half as the Boilermakers 
return home as the still number one team in college basketball. And briefly looking ahead to Thursday night football tomorrow night, it's the Jags at the Jets in the battle of number one versus number two, right? Zach Wilson going to start for the Jets? Uh, I think he is, right? So the number one overall pick, of course, Trevor Lawrence from last year. Zach Wilson, the number two overall pick. And Mark, you pointed out very accurately, this is the marquee primetime game we have Mm -hmm. in Week 16. Who would have guessed that heading into Christmas? (laughs) Jaguars-Jets, the best primetime game of the weekend slate. And if the Jags win, the Colts are officially eliminated from the postseason. The Jags and the Jets. That sounds like a West Side story. I mean, With a you know nice more, tint of green yeah, throughout, well, right? Yeah, more than an NFL matchup, mm-hmm. right? I, I don't know if Trevor Lawrence has the look of a West Side Story character. Oh, he's got that, that long hair. Let me tell you. Can he snap his fingers? <laughs> Do a little dance through the yeah. streets? Uh-huh. Yeah. Who's okay. that guy over there, Tommy? It's one of them Jets. <laughs> you don't like them. That's right. That was well done, Mark. Uh, Mike DeCourse is going to join us to talk some college basketball at the top of the hour. Kevin Aquari on a gorgeous whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Start this Wednesday here in Indy. Uh, by the way, little insider tip behind the scenes of the way things happen here during the break. Uh, Kevin Bowen's been consistent. A lot of sausage re- made, right? <laughs> Do we have the Ursa quote? Speaking of that, Mark, when Mm -hmm. it comes to making sausage, what we do know about Jim (laughs) Ursa. By the way, we did breakfast for dinner last night at the Bowen House. Oh, that's always fun. Pancakes? It was a good twist. Uh, Yeah, sausage, bacon, eggs. Rosie was very happy. Um, I used to love that when I was a kid. Kevin Bowen, in the commercial break, has been consistently refreshing his computer because it's college football signing day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and, you know, I mean, you're, you've are you been tweeting these kids all, all week, right? Uh, well, I just don't go tweet. I just go DM. <laughs> Sending memes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Come here. Yep. Oh, yeah. This is awkward. Hey, good luck at prom. How about the kid from the one thing that I did see is the number one. Actually, Notre Dame could have two Bowens in their recruiting class, by the way. <laughs> And, you know, that's uh, of importance to three Bowens. I uh, I did see, I saw a headline about it. The number one offensive tackle in the country, he's a native of uh, Des Moines or Des Moines, as I like to call it. And he had verbally committed to Iowa and Kirk Ferentz. And, like, his social media thing was, like, his bio was, like, number one OT, like, Hawkeye for life. And his background picture was him where, you know, when he verbaled to Iowa, like wearing the Iowa hat and wearing an Iowa sweatshirt. And like his, literally his entire Twitter timeline was black and gold. And so he, of course, because he's the number one offensive tackle in the country, he sent a thing like, I invite all media to come out for my signing day. Going to be epic. And all the Iowa like scribes showed up and he came out and said, you know what? I changed my mind and signed with Alabama. (laughs) It's <laughs> like, okay. One of my favorite signing day stories, and I think I have this correct, but, and ironically enough, it has some relevance now that Eugene Hilton is a sophomore at Zionsville and is starting to gain some college interest. Uh, he was a young, young, I, I think like one-ish years old when his father picked a college, and it was either going to be West Virginia or Florida International, and if I'm not mistaken, put two hats on the end of the bed or the end of the table and said, Eugene, you go up there and pick it. 
That's right. That is right. FIU, baby. Over West Virginia. You know one of my favorite players ever to watch? Who's on the Chargers coaching staff, and that's how I kind of pop back into my Pat brain. White. Pat White. Offensive assistant for the Chargers. You want a cookie? What do you want? I mean, come on. Okay. Would T.Y. Hilton been on those teams? What, what are you buzzing me for? I was correct. You want your pat on the back? Yes. I want, no, I want Ego Pat check. White. Uh, I mean, come on. Hey, yeah, you, you, you were correct. I don't, I was confused by the buzzer. I mean, I, I'm all yeah. for a Jake buzzer, Mark. He's got to so. get, get his ego in check. Yeah, I don't have an ego. I know Jake Griffin's sitting so close running. to him. I'm like, Griffin, that realize, ego's got to be hitting you in the This is what I've always face. said. People tell me I have an ego, and I, and I say all the time, with the level of greatness contained within me, the humility that also exists shows that there's no ego whatsoever. Right? Of course, yeah. No, oh I totally God. agree. It's only natural. Throw the signing here. day stuff, speaking of egos, I'm I out. just want to be the best Jake that I can be. Which I am, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the, the thing about signing day to me that just drives me crazy, people get so caught up and hung up on, I mean, how many players have we seen, whether you're talking about Purdue, Indiana, whatever... How many players have we seen that, like, this is the end-all, be-all? Oh, wow. Like, this is – I mean, the, the one guy that's doing the videos for IU and he's smoking cigars and he's dancing around in his pajamas and it's and, and he's 45 years old and he's genuflecting and salivating over a 17-year-old kid that doesn't want anything to do with him, that doesn't want anything to do with him. Don't be the lame, creepy guy that's hanging around trying to get autographs of 17-year-old kids. How many people wasted hours of their lives waiting in line in candy-striped pants with their gut hanging? over it in the bitter cold outside of Jasper High School waiting two and a half hours to get the autograph of Romeo Langford so that they could say that they had it when he's starting for the main Red Claws next year. Get a life and just let things organically play out. It's a very specific person you just described. <laughs> That's every one of them. Didn't Did you not see the Albany? videos? Yeah, but he well, like when he was and playing, isn't he starting on, to play a little better when, for the Spurs? Okay, so he's averaging eleven points a game for a team that's going to win eleven games over the next two years. Congratulations! Sounds like T. Y. Hilton will make his Cowboys debut this weekend. Ed Werder had yesterday that the Hilton family's flown down to Dallas. Cowboys Eagles coming up this weekend. Uh, we'll see about Jalen Hurts. By the way, sounds like he's a bit if if he. This is just a. Yeah, a classic Hilton quote here at Ed Warder. I can still run, so if you think you're going to come up there and play press man-to-man and not get run by, then you are crazy. Do you know his, I don't know if you know this or not, but when he signed with the Cowboys, he actually put out a Cowboys hat and like a Jaguars hat, and his son picked out the <laughs> Dallas hat. That's that's how he picked the Cowboys. Uh, Hilton right? did not play last week. He was inactive, but it sounds like there is a good chance he will play against the Eagles. Did you guys see how the MVP odds shifted significantly with that Jalen Hurts injury news. I'm assuming Patrick Mahomes is... So Hurts was the the definite favorite. Mm-hmm. And then he's got what a shoulder issue, throwing shoulder issue, might not play this weekend. And now all of a sudden, Mahomes is skyrocketing. I, I mean, Mahomes is the safe to pick. Be the right? I mean... I mean it almost has a feel to like when Carson Wentz tore his ACL at the end of that 2017 season with the Eagles. I mean, what's Philly's record? 13-1? I believe so. Can't we just give the MVP to Jalen Hurts? Yeah. I mean, Does he really need right, to play right, right. out the yeah, final game or two of that's the fair. season? The position that he's put them in just to get to this point, that that's fair. Now, Coach of the Year, are you giving it to Sirianni? Are you giving it to Mr. Kneecap? Oh, I think you got to go with Sirianni, right? That's pretty impressive. You're not going with the fighting Dan Campbells? I mean, it's a, but the season is 17 weeks. It's not eight, right? I feel like a dark horse could be... Shanahan 
with all they've been through and they're 10 and 4 that that's, that's a good point mark that's a really good i mean yeah. they're on their third string quarterback the maybe they're literally you see that Purdy might not last. play so josh johnson might play oh my gosh i love it josh johnson been everywhere now he's a singer right jack oh. right we've been over this have we what did Josh is Josh Johnson the one that's played at like thirty seven? Yeah, we places? went through it. It took like forty minutes to go through all his teams. And amongst those, he played at the Cheeseburger in Paradise. Actually, <laughs> can you recall Jake the two quarterbacks the Colts played in that season finale back, kind of end of the Pagano era? Two QBs they signed that week. They played them both in the game. One guy did the two minute warning. The other or the two minute drill. Well, the, the other Colts, guy, yeah, Ryan Lindley and Josh Freeman. G- great call. Is that right? Yeah. Come on. Come on. The Mark, co- where is it? Where's the buzz this time, smarty pants? In my opinion, that sucked. Josh Freeman played for some like <laughs> team on Coney Island, and Chuck Pagano called him the Coney Island hey, Thrasher. I-, I thought actually Josh Freeman. He was a high draft pick, wasn't he? Yeah, and he had he was a big guy, and he had a pretty good arm. I think he played at Kansas State, but he, he apparently there were some some issues off field about him that were of concern. I thought he was a good player. I think Ryan Lindley's doing kind of the quarterback tour and doing some training. On that front, but Ryan yeah. Lindley actually currently is sitting in a bar with Scott Tolzien trying to convince people. Scott Tolzien's on for the Colts. Dallas' staff. I think Mike McCarthy consulted no, with Tolzien and reunited with, with, with Ty Joe Philbin to get their insight into Ty Hilton. I'm very interested to see how Ty Hilton or just his usage this weekend. That game feels like it should be more in prime time. Cowboys Eagles, is it not? Say that one more time. Cowboys Eagles should be in prime time, right? It should be, but I think just with the Christmas holiday, four twenty-five on Saturday. So it's it'll a be like, standalone Fox game. Yeah, it'll be the Fox game of the week. Boy, that'll be perfect. My, my, Come up from church and just watching Gardner Minshew sling it around. I'm gonna watch <laughs> Minshew and Dak Prescott. I like Gardner Minshew. Colts. I think next good. year the Colts need to have a quarterback room of Gardner Minshew, Sam Ellinger, and a first-round quarterback. Now watch. Save that. Save the tape. Okay. And then you can say, and, and you know what? Here's the thing. In this segment, I got nine things correct. All you'll remember is that. Thank you. You're right. I will not get the other correct answers. Uh, Mike DeCourcy at nine. Is that right? Mm-hmm. All right. That's it's Kevin Query here, 93.5107.5. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey, I want to reset real quick, uh, partially for me, but I think it's good for people to know. Maybe, Mark, this is a question for you more so. Mike DeCourcy going to join us coming up about 9 uh, here, just a couple of minutes, to talk about, obviously, college basketball, little World Cup, and Mike, a noted Pittsburgh Steelers fan, so we will likely get into the news that some of you may not have heard that Franco Harris, the Hall of Fame running back, legendary Pittsburgh Steeler running back, passed away uh, seemingly, I guess, overnight or this morning at the age of 72. Mark, can you recount for me, please, the schedule for this program uh, over the course of the holidays? So we have a show tomorrow. It's our last show of the week. Okay. And Ryan then, Walters on the show, by the that's way. That's right. Purdue head Purdue coach, coach, 9 o'clock. Yeah, Ryan Walters at 9 o'clock. Then we'll be off Friday. Okay. We, we will have a show on Monday. We will be back on Monday because the Colts and Chargers Monday, play on Monday the Monday 26th, the Correct. day after Christmas. Okay. Yes. Kevin will be here Monday and Tuesday. And Kevin's hitting the uh, hit the high road for a few days at the end of the week. So now, Wednesday, are you going Thursday, to New Friday. Buffalo? 
Uh, no, we're not going to New Buffalo. My uh, family goes to, or my in-laws go to, uh, Marco Island, just south of Naples. Okay. Uh, you just play polo of, there? Fort Myers. Uh, not one of your better ones. <laughs> you, you did that last year, right? Correct, yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Annual so, and that, Christmas. That's the day after Christmas. And then what about for the new year, Mark? Hell if I know. Are no, we we, doing, are, we, are we have a show the Monday the 2nd. Yes, Monday the 2nd. Recapping the Colts game the day before. But what about New Year's Day? That's a Sunday. You're more than welcome to come in if you're yeah. Is it a Sunday? It is. Yeah. Colts Giants. One I was thinking New Year's Eve was Sunday. So no, New, Year's New Year's Day is Sunday. New Year's Eve is Saturday, and then New Year's Day is Christmas Sunday. Eve and New Year's Eve so, always pair up. Because remember, so, we did it how there's no bowl games on New Year's Day because it falls on a Sunday this year, so all the NFL games. So with the holidays, Christmas. we get one day off. Pretty much. Th- this Purdue LSU is January 2nd, not bowl game. When I become mayor, one of the things that I'm going to do is I'm going to institute in this town that no matter what, the holiday, Christmas, and, and I mean, it might be in, in Rome and everywhere else, it might be celebrated if it falls on a Sunday, but December 25th will never be on a weekend. The best day for Christmas is what, Wednesday or Thursday, do we determine? Oh, yeah. Probably Wednesday, Punt the whole right? week then, at that point. If it's Wednesday, you do pretty much punt the week, right? Yeah. Yeah, Wednesday, there, there's no week whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, we don't really do a job. That is very fair, yes. So you're saying Christmas Day falling on a Wednesday is the best? Yeah, I think or so. Or Christmas because, Eve? No, because well, Christmas Day on a Wednesday means Christmas Eve's on a Tuesday, true. and the whole week's just done. So Monday, people are wa- sleepwalking, right? Yeah. Tuesday, if you go into work, you knock off a little early because it's Christmas Eve. Wednesday, you're off. Thursday, clearly you're off. And then at that point, yeah, might as well go ahead and punt Friday, right? And honestly, same thing for the next week, probably. So as mayor, can you just make it doesn't matter what the date says. Well, Christmas as mayor, will be on a Wednesday. Thank you for asking, Mark. As the mayor, I have really only one initiative, mm-hmm. and that is, and for a long time, it was the blue Indy cars were all going into the White River, and they took care of that for me, and we got our parking spots back. Now it's the scooters, the scooters all in the river, gone. I saw somebody on a scooter last. this morning driving down Capitol. I'm like, I thought we see it's gotta Jake be chilly. Though. I thought we'd see Jake on a scooter when he was late that one day. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> I've done I thought he was scoot- on the side of the red line you know coming what? down Meridian. I've done the scooters, and, and I get it. Let's just say that I, I would reduce the scooter force by 80%. I'm not saying that we don't need them at all, but we do not need them. I, I mean, literally, these things are like zucchinis. Every you, time you turn around, they're growing more scooters. If you throw all the scooters in the White River, though, your second job as mayor will be fix the White River because there's no water flowing. Well, I, I understand. There are some issues there. The fish are dying. Not a lot of water, I feel like, in it anyways. In the White River? Yeah. Downtown. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's water. It's just not exactly I what we drink call it. clean. Uh, Mike DeCourcy will talk some college basketball with him. Coming Mercy. up next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Mike DeCourcy, as I have always said, and I hope he doesn't get mad when I use this title for him, the Dean of College Basketball Writers. I believe him to be, in print variation, the most authoritative voice and the most knowledgeable on college basketball, but of course also uh, with the Big Ten Network and a noted soccer fan. In addition to that, as we bring Mike DeCourcy onto the program this morning, Mike, I know that you have always been a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You and I have discussed that. You've mentioned it on the program before. Um, wanted to give you the opportunity to let our listeners know, as somebody who has followed the Steelers for a very long time, 
Uh, just what Frank O'Harris, who passed away this morning at the age of 72, what he meant not only to the Steelers organization, but I think truly in kind of representing the model or the mold of the Pittsburgh spirit as a city, if you will. Yeah, Franco uh, was, uh, it was interesting because he came to the team as a first round draft choice who had not been a great performer in college. He played in a backfield at Penn State with another player named Lydell Mitchell, who was an All-American. I think he was a Heisman finalist. Franco was always kind of viewed as sort of an underachiever. He had a great build. He was six. He was over six feet. He weighed 230-some pounds, but had a tailback speed. And when he came to the Steelers, there were a lot of people who wondered why they selected him. And he immediately transformed the franchise. I mean, Joe Green was the cornerstone of the, of the, uh, of the turnaround of the, of the, of the seventies uh, decade renaissance for the Steelers. But Franco was the one whose presence, whose arrival turned it around. And Joe's first three years, I think they went one and 13, five and nine and six and eight in a 14 game season. And then, and then, uh, uh, Franco comes along and immediately they go 11 and three. He rushed for over a thousand yards, 10 touchdowns, NFL rookie of the year, et cetera. And even Joe, I, I got a release yesterday. I think it was from the NFL network, which is doing Franco Harris Friday evening at nine in their football life, a football life series. And one of the quotes from Joe was that he was, he, you know, he represented the transformation. As soon as he walked in the door, we became the Pittsburgh Steelers. And um, it, it, it was really like that. And he was really an important, you know, an important person for Pittsburgh. You have to understand what it was like to live in Pittsburgh in the 70s when the city was falling apart. I mean, the, the steel industry was in absolute decay and crisis. And my father worked in the steel industry and the city was falling apart and the Steelers were ascending to greatness and they kept that city together. There's a book out now and I can't remember the name of it, but it's just been released uh, about how the Steelers saved Pittsburgh, so to speak. There's a, you know, their theory is that that, that excellence that they represented really kept the city alive as it transformed away from the steel industry and into technology and education and medicine. Again, Mike DeCourcy is with us. Obviously a lot to get to with Mike, uh, Big Ten Network. You see him on there tonight. Purdue back in action as the number one team in the nation. Mike, if you look at the start for Purdue, um, you're more impressed by what Zach Eady's been able to do kind of minutes-wise, stay out of foul trouble and put up you know, pretty video game-like numbers, or what they've gotten from their freshmen early on? Oh, I think I think what Zach's doing was it's probably maybe a half leap farther than we would have expected, but he was on this track. He was a he was a capable freshman. He was a very fine sophomore, and now he's an excellent junior. So I think that from that standpoint, although it's certainly an, an amazing performance what he's delivering, I don't think it's stunning. It's it's just. This is what happens when you get a talented basketball player with an excellent coach and coaching staff in a program that consistently makes its players better. And what, what Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith are doing is amazing, and especially Braden. And I, I, I'm not at all surprised by Fletcher's success. Uh, uh, Fletcher comes in uh, from a basketball family. His father was an NBA coach and scout, is an NBA coach, uh, scout now, I believe. 
his brother Foster was uh, really a high school superstar in Michigan, uh, but not very tall. And he, I think Foster is probably five eleven, six feet at, at most, and didn't have the quickness to quite make his basketball skill work in in a league like the Big Ten. So he goes to Michigan State, and he's a backup and kind of struggles a little bit. And then he goes to Davidson, where his size is not as, as much of an impediment, and he's a All-Atlantic Ten player. And Fletcher comes in at 6'4", so I expected him to be a good freshman uh, because I knew he was well-trained, but I don't know that I expected him to be Purdue's second-leading scorer. Braden, for me, is the revelation because – he was not, you know, he's not like a McDonald's All-American guy, and you're asking him to take over a program that wanted to contend for the Big Ten title. He had everything else in place. Uh, Brandon Newman, Ethan Morton, Mason Gillis, Trey Kaufman, uh, Caleb First. All those guys were already there, and of course, Zach. And so there was everything in place to be a contender for the Big Ten title, but they didn't have a point guard. And I remember asking... Uh, Matt Painter at Media Day, you know, what are you doing there? What, what's Because I hadn't had the opportunity to go up and see him practice or anything. He said, we're fine. Braden Smith's going to be really, really good. And, uh, and he has been all of that and more. When you look at Purdue right now, and again, Mike DeCourcy joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline, Rita's work at Sporting News and on Big Ten Network. Uh, obviously, from a resume standpoint, they deserve to be the number one team in the nation. I, don't, I think there's little doubt to that. Do you view them as like a, I'm making a list of national title contenders and they're in the top two, three, four? Like, how do you view them, I guess, as you project them uh, throughout the Big Ten season and into the month of March and beyond? I think it's hard to do that at this point. If you look at the schedule, mostly because of the way the Challenge Series worked out, uh, you know, they, they have had... Um, you know they they have had the opportunity to play some some very capable teams. I think going to uh, uh, going out to, to to Portland was really important for them uh, because you know they got they got Florida State in the challenge, so that didn't really help that much. But they go out to Portland and they play Gonzaga, Duke, West Virginia. That's three teams that two of them which will be in competition with them seating wise. And one of which will, I believe, be an NCAA tournament team for sure. And they got all that work done in one weekend, so to speak. Uh, so that, that was really important for them. Because if they hadn't gone to Portland in that tournament, I'm not sure that they would have had the level of, of conquest to this point that would say uh, that they could be up there in the seedings. They, you know, they, or the rankings, I guess, if that matters to you. Uh, but I did, in terms of assessing what they're capable of, relative to the national championship, I think that still remains to be seen. I mean, a year ago, you, there are certain qualities that you have to have. Uh, you, it, there, nobody's won this thing without uh, a, a number of NBA players, two, three, somewhere in there. And I don't know yet uh, whether or not Purdue has that. Uh, and if you don't have that, you basically would have to break every barrier that's been erected to that championship since – you know, maybe 1950 or whatever. So I think that it's it, it's hard to project at that point. Um, but we'll see how how you know how those players develop in Big Ten competition, how they handle it. I think there's no question that they can contend for the Big Ten title, and that if you win this Big Ten title with the non-conference resume that Purdue already has, 
uh, there's no question. If, they, if they're Big Ten champions, they, they are a number one seed. I can tell you that right now. Uh, because uh, with what they did in non-conference and then you add that to it, I just don't see any way they wouldn't be. Mike, when you look at, for example, Mike DeCourcy is our guest on the Payless Sugars Hotline. We've talked a lot about with the Colts. I don't think the Colts issue is necessarily recognizing talent. It's recognizing, and this is the real trick for everybody, recognizing how to assemble talent together as a unit. Is Matt Painter as good as we have in college basketball at getting guys to buy into a team concept and understand their role and thus then being able to to take those pieces into the jigsaw puzzle? Because to me, it seems like he has guys on his roster that seemingly probably could maybe get more minutes or higher roles elsewhere, but are can but are thrilled with their role with Purdue to ascending the basketball program, and that to me is the true trick of a coach. You agree? Yeah, I think in this day, what Matt's doing is almost singular. Uh, it, it's it's amazing that that he has you know, Brandon Newman coming off of last year would be a good example. He did not get a lot. You know, of all the guys who were sort of in that ten man mix or something. I think he probably ranked ninth or tenth in minutes, and that would be a, a, a player that a lot of places would just say, "Okay, I'll go somewhere else, and I'll get run, and I'll get my shots, and I'll, you know, and, and all of that." They didn't. They didn't lose anybody. I mean, they lost the guys that were either ready to graduate or, uh, in the case of Jaden, ready to go to the NBA and be a top four pick. Uh, that's that's just like I said. It's almost unprecedented in today's college basketball for you to be able to keep a team like that intact uh, and and that's yeah, Matt is Matt is a, a special person a special coach he does an amazing job with that program and has for a long time <laughs> and he and he's he's one of those coaches who understands himself really well and I, I still remember I think it was maybe in some ways at least in terms of its reflection to the public it was I think it was 2013 or 2014 media day when he came to to uh, to Chicago and stood up and said, "Look, I picked these players and it didn't work, and they had just finished, I think, five and thirteen in the league." And he said, it, "It's on me, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to get Purdue guys." And he went out and you know, and he he continued over the next now eight to nine years to just continue to get more and more guys like this that are invested in being boilers and that continue to push the program forward. At TSN Mike on Twitter, Mike DeCourcy from Sporting News joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Shifting gears to Bloomington, Mike, um, just how would you characterize the start for IU, and did we put too much stock into a team that, you know, if they don't make some wild run in the final eight minutes of that Michigan game in the Big Ten tournament, they probably don't make the NCAA tournament last season, and we probably view Mike Woodson's first year in a much different light. Um, Just your general thoughts on IU so far. I think they've been the unluckiest team in America, Kevin. Uh, I, I, I mean, who else out there has had three starters miss games, uh, and and not just you know not just the guy who you know sets screens, but both of your point guards and your star have all missed games now. Uh, that's that's your problem. That's why, and 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 that happened. Not again, not to coincide with your Elons uh, uh, or your uh, your early buy games, but at Rutgers. Arizona neutral, a home game against Nebraska, uh, and then uh, a road game at Kansas, and and you're and you're not whole for any of those games. Uh, that's 
that's brutal. I mean, I, I don't think that one can look at this team and say they're underachieving because they aren't whole and haven't been for almost three weeks now. If I took the if I took uh, the number of games they've lost, so they lost three from Jalen, I think one from uh, now two from Xavier uh, and one from Trace. If I took that that number of games away from you know three top scorers on any team in America and put them through that gauntlet that Indiana went through, I don't know many teams that aren't going one and three. I I don't know that I don't know there be any. Uh, so I don't I, I'm not bothered by where they are. I think the problem is, can they get healthy and whole, and then and then go out and do, and and then go out and make up for a lot of lost time on on who they wanted to be as a team. Even if they were one hundred percent healthy, Mike, the one concern I would have for Indiana, and I want you to talk me off this ledge, is I don't know that they have the consistent outside shooting, even when Xavier Johnson was healthy, and I think he's a very good player. But he has a little John Starks in him to me where on the nights he's good, he's really good. And on the nights he struggles, he can hurt you a little bit. But it just doesn't seem like Indiana versus other teams I see has necessarily the ball rotation on the perimeter to be able to consistently shoot from the outside and draw some pressure off of Trace Jackson Davis a little bit. Uh, Am I being too critical? Well, again, I don't think that you're seeing any – what you're seeing isn't their their – full functionality how they want to play hasn't been available for as i said uh, three weeks now almost it'll be three weeks on saturday since they played the rutgers game it hasn't been there i mean they're shooting 36.3 percent as a team from three-point range they've got exit 37 uh, miller cop is hitting nearly 46 uh, tamar is hitting nearly 42 uh, so to me, and 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 Jalen's hitting nearly thirty six. So those are all good numbers. And to me, the big concern about them as a shooting team was would Miller play under pressure? He w- he had a confidence problem for his entire college career. Last year he did all his years at Northwestern. It was always you know the confidence problem. And now he has persisted through the loss of those guys, not getting the high quality shots that you'd want him to get. Uh, because the ball rotated, because Trace got doubled, and all that kind of stuff, he's he's continued to make shots. He made shots in that Arizona game when they needed to have them, or they were going to lose by forty. Uh, he made shots at Rutgers when nobody else could put the buck ball in the bucket at all. Uh, he made shots last night when uh, again you, you you were down two starters. Now I know it's Elon, but you're down two starters, and he's still making shots. I, I don't have that great concern about that element as long as he continues to play like that. And he's been, I mean, he hasn't had many down games. And every shooter has down games. Steph Curry has down games. But I haven't seen many from Miller. And I don't, as I said, given that a lot of those nights, uh, the good nights for him happened on nights when they were not themselves, I think that that's a really good sign in that department. Mike, last one from me. And again, Mike DeCourcy, Sporting News, Big Ten Network, with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Uh, any insight into the hiring of Charlie Baker as the new NCAA president? Obviously, uh, takes over an organization that's been heavily, heavily scrutinized. Uh, Massachusetts governor is his most recent background, so I think there was appeal, certainly from a legislation standpoint, to you know try and get someone with that background. Um, what did you think of that hire? 
Yeah, it, it kind of left me a little cold. Uh, I, I, but I understand why it went in that direction. I did an article back in May, I think it was. I talked to eight or nine people who have been either in or around college athletics, from Jay Billis to Oklahoma Athletic Director Joe Castiglione to Pitt Athletic Director Heather Like, and, uh, and all kinds of different people who, and, and just basically asked them, okay, what kind of person should they get? What kind of qualifications should that person have? And the funny thing was, I don't think anybody brought up a politician. That's the, you know, I talked to like nine different people and allowed them to just, you know, have their say. And I don't think anybody said, oh, yeah, we're going to go get a sitting governor or a, a retire or a, a exiting governor. Uh, that one took, I, I think it took us all by surprise. I, I understand the importance of, of how legislation could help them. Uh, in in regards to, uh, I think the last frontier for college athletics is do the do the athletes become employees? And I I really believe, and there's a very strong uh, uh, group of people on the other side of this issue. I really believe it. Just that that there's no way that's good for for college athletics if it comes to that. Uh, that the employer employee relationship is not as healthy as the student athlete relationship with the university, if we want to call it that. I just don't, I, I don't think that that's where it needs to go or where it should go. And I think if they could get certain elements of legislation in that they could keep it from being that. Uh, and I think that's kind of why he was hired and we'll see whether or not he can, he can successfully get something, you know, through Congress and through the president's desk. Uh, Mike, have you come down from the cloud that I know you were on and watching the world cup final? Oh my! It was amazing. It, it, what a what a magnificent game! I, I, I my 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 editor uh, was in contact with me through the game, and you know, and it made, remember it being a great game made it a really harder day for me because <laughs> like I had the messy story written uh, at halftime, like, and all I had to do was basically put in the final score, and then of course all of a sudden the whole game gets thrown up in the air with the two late French French goals. Uh, and so it made it a harder day for me, but it was worth it because the game was just spectacular. But my editor says to me, okay, for the second piece we want you to do, uh, is this the greatest World Cup final ever? And as I sat down to write my, my lead, I said, that's too limiting. Like, it, it, it's, it, is it the greatest World Cup game? That's too limiting. I think it, it immediately becomes part of that conversation when you talk about 92, the Leitner shot, Kentucky do or uh, what I think was the best Super Bowl, 43 Steelers over Cardinals, or the triple overtime Celtics-Suns game in the 76 NBA Finals, or uh, the 99 Champions League when uh, Manchester United came from back from two goals down in the, like, the final minute and a half or whatever it was. That, those, those games is where this game belongs. The, the best World Cup final, yeah, that's easy. It's, you know, how does it fit into the greatest games ever played in any sport? And I think it absolutely belonged in that conversation. Just remember, yeah, Mike, when you see the aerials of Buenos Aires, just remember <laughs> that is 200,000 people fewer than apparently were in Nashville for the NFL draft, according to the NFL. <laughs> Don't forget it. <laughs> Don't forget it. Now we have perspective. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Mike, happy holidays if you're traveling this week. Safe travels and uh, always enjoy your insight. Yeah, thank you very much. Happy holidays to everybody in Indianapolis, all my friends here. I uh, hope you guys have a great weekend. That is Mike DeCourcy right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Um, Jake, I, I think I, I would definitely push back on the 
injury excuse for Indiana. Have there been injuries? Without question. Uh, but you look at those three losses. I mean, it's not like you lost these games on last-second shots. I mean, 15 to Rutgers. What, 14 to Arizona, 22 to Kansas. And Jalen hood Shafino did miss those first two. But you were already getting run out of Allen Fieldhouse when Xavier Johnson I, look, went down on Saturday. So has IU been banged up? Is Trace Jackson Davis playing through some things? Yeah, but for a team that's returned as much as they have to have suffered those three losses by the amount, to me it's how they've looked in the 120 minutes of those three games. Outside of a stretch in Vegas, they have been thoroughly outplayed uh, that, to me, is much bigger than just the injury situation. Indiana has very good college basketball players, undeniably. Kansas has very good NBA players, guys that will play in the NBA. I- Indiana has probably one guy that will make an NBA roster and Trace Jackson Davis. Well, J- Jalen Hood-Shafino will. And eventually. I was going to say, and another guy that will play in the NBA and Jalen Hood-Shafino. And that, that probably is it. Um, whereas... You know, when you look at the the Kansas roster, I mean, they're, they're rolling out eight guys that all, and I'm not saying they're all going to play in the NBA. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that, but their athleticism across the board and their interchangeability from one player to the other in terms of whoever has the ball being able to make plays is a whole different level. Yeah, now, but that's it's not, not like Rutgers has got a bunch of NBA dudes. Fair. That's fair. And they were... They're scoring 48 points there. What happened against Rutgers is Indiana's to me, the real concern about Indiana, and that is you double down on Trace Jackson Davis and have and challenge them, okay, beat us elsewhere. And Indiana has yet to come up with an answer for that. You know that. By the way, is that a new Adidas uh, hoodie that you're wearing there? Yeah, I, I, I looks s- brand new. It's a very nice. I said it yesterday, and I will get to the Adidas sweatshirt in just a second. Um, it is amazing to watch Purdue knowing what's coming at them every game. Double team constantly right. to Zach Eady, and he puts up Shaquille O'Neal video game-like numbers, and yet Purdue is still so effective offensively in playing off him. Then you watch Indiana, with an All-American big guy as well, can't produce anywhere near those types of numbers, and again, offensively, they look like they've never seen a double team it, well, what's in it, their lives. Purdue has guys that have bought into their role of helping Zach Eady in that regard that know that if it came down to it and and all hell broke loose, they're capable of getting their points if need be. But they don't need to do that in order to be a part of that team. And putting Whereas, the puzzle around E.D. to your correct. point earlier about Painter, that's a really good one. Uh, they've always done a great job of that under under Matt. I've um, never yeah. seen a sweatshirt so clean. Well, if you look closely, there's a couple stains on it, actually. It's a it's a lovely off-white color. Yeah, uh, Maddie got this for me for my birthday and um, really likes how it looks on me. <laughs> Okay. Well, that's what <laughs> baby number three coming to the bowling <laughs> no, house. No, 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 no. I, 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 just sharing the insight, taking you behind the scenes. Okay. I don't think there's a single piece. Do you of- want me to text Shannon and say <laughs> I XL for are you XL? I don't think there's a single piece of clothing I wear that Shannon says I like that on you. <laughs> Trust me, there's not many. There, hence why Maddie bought it for me and didn't think that anything in the closet was adhering to that. And you immediately stained it. I, well, <laughs> yeah, Mark, uh, you have young girls. You, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah you, all, all the clothes are just perfectly clean every Oh no, every single day? No, mustard stains everywhere, all kinds of stuff. Um, I did see last night, did you catch John Calipari did make it to that Kokomo game, him and Matt Painter in the gym? Oh, he was there too, huh? Remember, Rake Straw was talking about it yesterday with oh, us. Yeah. Flory Badunga, unfortunately for him... Um, I guess was dealing with a hand injury. It was just one of three from the floor. But um, 
yeah, Kokomo lost to Zionsville last night. So uh, Cal Izzo Painter, he's going to go down as one of the more highly rated recruits in the history of the state of Indiana. I mean, Sean kept level like attention at this point in his career. Right? Yeah, and honestly, and that's probably a comparison that's fair. Pogo stick like you watch him. Yeah. Not used to many big guys moving like that. Did you like ever that. do the pogo stick? Yeah, not super coordinated, though, to really have Do they it, still uh, do pogo sticks? I mean, they still do them. I don't know anybody that owns one do that's they, readily doing it. Probably on ESPN Ocho. Do or they still yeah. sell them, or they've been deemed like too dangerous for children? Do you too want dangerous. the scooters out and the pogo sticks in? Nah, and I'm not. I was never a pogo stick guy either, to be honest with you. Whoa. This pop Whoa. quiz looks brutal, by the way. Pogo stick. Five hundred dollars. <laughs> what? What in the blue? Can you hell? fly? I I clicked Pogo Stick shopping, and the first one that pops up was four hundred ninety nine dollars. No, what are you buying? Like the the Bentley of Pogo sticks? I'm lo- I'm talking about a standard big wheel, and you're looking for the it green looks machine. Like, it looks. We like, don't need the green machine variation of the Pogo Stick. Pogo sticks are a bit more expensive these days. Forty dollars for a Pogo Stick? Will that do something for you? Did you have a big wheel? Uh, yeah, I think I did. There was always one kid in the neighborhood that had a green machine. He was like the Ricky Schroeder Silver Spoon kid. Mm-hmm. Always one kid had a green machine. That same kid uh, is the same one that had like a brand new you know, sports car when he was 16 and then was a train wreck by 20. I thought it was cool because my bike, my big kid bike had like a, a AM, FM radio on it. Really? So I can blast like corn and sound garden. <laughs> that kid's making too much noise over there. Quiet, you a, ma'am. You had a... A radio on your bike? It was a Huffy. Yeah, it was like that was the bike. I, that was the best Christmas gift I ever got. Was the Huffy bike from Santa and, and it, where AM was, FM radio on it. So would you, could you turn it off awesome. while you were riding? Yeah. Well, that seems. You turn it up. You could. It was right in the middle, right between the handlebars. Well, that seems very dangerous. It was very cool. Well, you do no hands. Come on, that's easy. We will begin our wow. morning check down here again. Pop quiz. Wait, where was seven. the antenna? That seems. There was like an antenna. Did. Oh wow! Yeah. Impressive. 317-239-1070. Again, the pop quiz coming up here in a few. Uh, for now, though, and again, this is a brutal pop quiz. Just brutal by Scotty right before the holiday season. Uh, for now, morning checkdown. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, we'll begin, by the way, with Mark Dykton offering us some, I guess, breaking news to an extent about both of the pro sports franchises in town, right? Yeah, so Zach Kiefer, four minutes ago, said a change on the depth chart at QB for the Colts. Sam Ellinger has moved into the two spot behind Matt Ryan. Nick Foles had been working as Ryan's backup the last few weeks. So look, uh, I'm seeing a little correction here from the Colts, though, on that. Oh. Um yeah, J.J. Stakovitz right here, Colts.com right here. That was a mistake on my part. Foles is number two and Ellinger is number three. Okay, well, forget that one then. So then, <laughs> Colts quarterback depth <laughs> chart shuffling. Now, wait a minute. Shockingly doesn't. You got to be careful with the published depth chart for the Colts, yeah, right? It can be a dicey, dicey situation there. So I'm just saying. Yeah. But then, a little dicey there. If you're a Pacers <laughs> fan, sounds like good news. If you're a, a uh, cable cord cutter. But that worked out, didn't it, Kevin? I, Yes. If you're cord cutting, Blessing in disguise. If you're a cord-cutting Pacers fan, this looks like there's some good news on the horizon, especially for a Fubo TV subscriber. Uh, a deal with Fubo TV and Sinclair to carry Bally Sports RSNs. All 19 RSNs will be available on Fubo TV. Fubo TV? Yeah. So it's a, it's a I'm not familiar sport. with that. Fubo TV is a very heavy sports-related uh, TV streaming service. I you, mean, they have know, regular channels. but In the basement, you come down to the basement of my man cave, it. 
Mm-hmm. I've got the foo bar, and then Gosh, we watch. I'm that. just waiting for a foo bar, foo that, boo. In my opinion, where else are we going with this? Um, so yeah, that well, that's like a, a step in the somewhat right direction. Yeah, all 19 Valley Sports branded RSNs will be on Fubo TV next month. There you so go. So now do uh, YouTube TV and Hulu, and we're all set. We're rolling. Speaking of the Pacers, tonight in Boston, 7.30 tip there, 10-point underdog. Again, they'll see Malcolm Brogdon tonight. He's had a you know pretty nice start to his Boston career, uh, being utilized off the bench. Boston's actually lost four of five, along with Indiana. Um, but yeah, 10-point favorite, the Celtics tonight. It'll be at Miami on Friday. And uh, then at New Orleans on Monday. So a tough three-game stretch coming up for the Pacers. People want to see pictures of this bike I got. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh, wait, they don't want to see the sweatshirt? Well, I mean, you're on just stand up and show it off. That's right. On the YouTube stream. College basketball yesterday, Indiana over Elon, 96-72. It was Purdue-Fort Wayne, 83-59 over Southern Indiana. The Eagles now 7-6. and six. IUPUI getting their third win of the year, 62-52. They were winners in the Indiana Classic at Fort Wayne. And they beat Texas A&M Commerce, who's 4-9. and nine. Oh, by the way, Corey texted me earlier, said he went to Texas A&M Commerce. Really? Used to be called East Texas State. Let me find his text here. Uh, but it's not Corpus Christi. Remember I was saying that earlier? Okay. I'm like, is that Corpus Christi? Uh, he goes, Commerce is its own campus near Dallas. Used to be East Texas State. Corpus Christi is still a campus down on the Gulf in South Texas. I don't think... Which, that makes sense, because they're called the Islanders. Is Dallas in East Texas? Is it due west somewhere? (laughs) I I guess everything's west or east of the Panhandle. That's a big state. You know, if you meet anybody from Texas, you ask them if they live near the Panhandle. You just say that automatically. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did we talk about Purdue and New Orleans yet? No. Nine o'clock tip. Privateers of New Orleans end up to Mackey, 33.5-point underdog, New Orleans. They're 3-7 and seven on the year. IUPUI by three points is their only Division One win. Butler beat them by 26. Has New Orleans always been the Privateers? Like when Irvin Johnson played there, were they the Privateers? Okay. Scotty's nodding his head. I don't know why that seemed odd to me. Um, What else? Franco Harris passed at the age of 72 overnight. We talked a little bit about, about that with Mike DeCourcy. Um, again, just kind of an eerie, honestly, feeling to it all, considering that this Saturday night, the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, Raiders at Steelers. It's the Christmas Eve night game. Um, so far, no cause of death has been released at the age of 72. Franco Harris, and I guess I just kind of forgot this in the meaning of the Immaculate Macular reception, Jake. That was their first playoff win. Yeah, you know, you think if that play doesn't happen, does the Steelers kind of go on? Pulled them off and run. Yeah, right? as historic of a run as they did. Well, they've had some. I mean, that that team, as Mike had mentioned, and the way that they were built. But that I think it was seventy four. Scotty, you'll know for sure. The seventy four draft was it, Scott? What what year was the draft? Yeah. The Lambert, Lambert, uh, Lynn Swan. I th- Stallworth. Stallworth and Jack Ham, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no. Or Lamb. I don't know. There were four of them. Donnie Shell. We'll look it up. It was amazing. I mean, four Hall of Famers in one draft is amazing. Scotty, this pop quiz is straight cold in the stocking. <laughs> well, thank you, he says. <laughs> Takes that as a compliment. 317-239-1070. Pop quiz is next. Have you... 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Studied. Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. It's not that hard. What? Nah, it's not that hard. If you, I, I expect zero hints. I was gonna say, you, it, it, yeah. If you give zero hints, and you know, a, a man of your word was saying that, then let's see how someone does on it. I'm just telling you. Will you give out hints? No, I, I don't believe I. I need to give out hints. All right. I'm not going to be a snake like that, right? <laughs> Mark, how about you? A number one through eight. <laughs> Shaking his head. <laughs> Somebody uh, just comes with... through like a bolt of lightning, right? What? Again, they already given out hands. I'm not, I didn't say that. Mm-hmm. Mark, mm-hmm. number one mm-hmm. through eight. Let's go to number two, Scott. Scott. Two shows left. Scott, what's up? Hey, can you hear me? Turn yeah, your turn your radio down, Scott. What's up? Sorry about that. Uh, the Bluetooth kicked off. All good. Scott, what do you do for a living? Uh, I sit on the phone and sling uh, sling loans all over the country. Nice. My wife used to sling freight, she used to describe it, working in the, lo- in the logistics world. Now, Scott, do I hear a little one in the background? Yeah, yeah, he's back there. Are you working from home today, or are you driving around slinging loans? Uh, driving, uh, driving around, heading in. Hands are on Get 10 there. and 2, right? You know it. Okay. Got and the name, the name of the little one is what? Uh, Blake. And how old's Blake? Uh, eight. Blake, what's up? Blake can't hear me, I realize. So is Blake on holiday break now, Scott? Say it again. Blake on holiday break, I assume? He is, he is. Nice, nice. Uh, what is Blake's number one item that he's hoping Santa Claus delivers here within the week? Uh, walkie-talkies. Ooh, I like that. That's kind yeah, of like that. Secret Santa of walkie talkies. Is he interested nice. in a five hundred dollar pogo stick? <laughs> how, about, <laughs> how about a how about a bike with a radio on it? That thing was sweet. All right, Scott. That would you like for me, like, yeah. Scott? Are you native to Indianapolis, by the way? Uh, no, no. I've been here for twenty some odd years. But uh, no. and, okay, and in terms of your move to Indianapolis, what was her name? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. I came for college. Oh, Scott, okay. did, did you yeah. used to live by Tech High School by chance? This is a little random. Uh, actually, uh, I still do, kind oh, of. Okay, uh, a buddy of mine um, said that you did his loan. Just just texted me. Oh, yeah, the uh, next door neighbor. Well, I helped him when he moved down south. I love it, yeah. He lives uh, just north of Atlanta right now. Just had a little girl named Lucy the other day. Yep. Nice. Look at this connection yeah. here. Scott, Scott number I hope did, you have a very successful pop quiz. Where did you grow up, Scott? I bounced around a little bit as an Army brat, but um, graduated high school from Huntington. Okay. Um, here we go. Would you like for me or Kevin to lead you off with question number one? Uh, Kevin, let's change it up a little bit. All right, Scott. On this day in 1941, this team became the first to win NFL championship games in consecutive seasons. Packers, Giants, Redskins, Bears. Bears. 
Uh, question number two. Name the sport that was first played on this day in 1891. If I had to guess, I'd say it probably was in Springfield, Massachusetts. Was I mean, it auto the, racing? I mean, what a, just a huge hit. jumping, basketball, or volleyball? Uh, basketball. Oh, it's just so easy. Yeah, so easy. So easy. Packers win over the Rams on Monday Night Football. Scott was Green Bay's 14th consecutive victory in the month of December. Green Bay's streak is tied for the second longest. I can tell Blake is a big Packers fan. Green Bay's streak tied for the second longest December winning streak in NFL history. Name the only team to win more NFL games in a row in the month of December. Packers, Chargers, Patriots, or Dolphins? Uh, Patriots. Okay, question That's number good question, four. Scotty. Former Steeler running back Franco Harris, as we had mentioned, passing away overnight at the age of 72. He is most known for the immaculate reception, of course. It has been labeled the most famous play in football. But exactly how far was the play of the immaculate reception? Was it a 40-yard touchdown, a 50-yard touchdown, a 60-yard touchdown, or a 70-yard touchdown? For some reason, I believe it was like 39, so I'll say 40. I'll tell you this. 12 years ago, Franco Harris was the age of the number of yards it was. 60. Okay. Scott's a hand. smart fellow there. You can tell the lone world Scott has mastered. Number five, Scott, name the Raider whose touchdown with 117 left in the game set up Harris's heroics in the Immaculate Reception game. Ken Stabler, Marv Hubbard, Fred Blickenoff, or Charlie Smith? Um, not Stabler, not Charlie. Uh, and not Blickenoff. That'd be too easy. Uh, B. Hubbard? Hubbard, yep. Uh, my buddy says you're a big IndyCar fan, Scott. Did we lose Scott? Did we lose no, him? I put, no, I put I'm him still on here. Huge fan. Huge fan. You enjoy Jake's calls? Yeah, I do. I'm mean, usually out there in, in turn three with some of the other crazies. There you go. Hey, that's the place to be, man. We appreciate it, Scott. Appreciate it very much. I also appreciate the subdued enthusiasm in saying you like my calls. Uh, the <laughs> Chicago Bears was, in fact, correct that for question. Juggling a lot in his car right now, Jake. Dr. Naismith and the rules of basketball are on display at Allen uh, Fieldhouse see, yeah, in Lawrence. Right that was correct. The San Diego Chargers, though, was the answer for number three. That was a tough one. 60 Yo, yards was correct for the Immaculate Reception, and it was the snake. Kenny Stabler for question number five. Scott go Blake. Chargers, go. <laughs> Happy holidays. Good luck on the walkie-talkie front from Santa. We come back. Speaking of basketball, the Elam ending. You've seen it in the NBA All-Star game. We're going to see it this week out in the G League showcase out in Vegas. Any update on if it could become permanent in the professional basketball world? We'll talk. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. To the creator. A classic there from Mark Dykton bringing us back one final time and a bit fitting in a way because if you look at how Nick Elam has thought about the game of basketball, he could be changing a whole lot from a traditional standpoint and how NBA games potentially um, end. Again, Nick Elam, the professor from Ball State, uh, you've heard him on these airways before. It's kind of an annual conversation we have and love to get an update on where things stand. He has created the Elam ending. You've seen it in the NBA All-Star game. You've seen it in the tournament that gets played during the summer. Some G League um, stuff as well. 
Um, and Nick Elam joins us right now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Nick, good morning. Thank you for the time. And I feel like just every conversation with you should start there. The elevator pitch to those that have not heard before. What is the Elam ending? Well, it's great to be back with you. Yeah, the Elam ending in a nutshell is that you play most of the game with the game clock. You play the last part of the game without a game clock. And the idea is not to change basketball, really. It's to do the opposite, to preserve a more natural and exciting style of play through the end of every game. It gets rid of the fouling and the stalling and the uh, sloppy play that we're often used to seeing uh, during the final stretches of games. Uh, it allows more opportunity for a late comeback and Every game ends with the swish of a net, so you get a lot more memorable game in the moments. Uh, that's how it's supposed to work on paper, and that's how it's worked in practice ever since it was first implemented at TBT in 2017. And here we are uh, five to six years later and really starting to see the concept grow throughout the basketball world. So basically, let's say third quarter ends, and Kevin Bowen's team is 63, Jake Quarry's team is 58, you pick out a number, let's say 25, and you are adding 25 points to that 63 number. So now it's the first one to 88 wins. My team has 63. We need to score 25. Jake's team has 58. They need to score 30. First team to 88 then wins. No no time on the clock. That's the way it works in G League. Yes, they're playing a version of the Elam inning where there's no clock at all in the fourth quarter. Just like you said, it's a plus 25 format. So it is. So th- that kind of answers my question here, Nick. But for example, like in soccer, when you get extra time, you know, you don't know how long the extra time is. From er- In every single game, the point that is added or the desired point is the same formula from every game. It, is not, it does not vary on the flow of that particular game, correct? That's right. And it's interesting you ask that because when I first devised this concept back in 2007 and had uh, some of my preferred versions were where that point total would be adjustable. You know, if you've got a lower scoring game, you'd add a lower number. But if it was a higher scoring game, you got a higher number. Uh, I, I kind of like that variability. And, and I guess customizability, but as years went on, uh, I wasn't really getting a lot of traction in, in getting that idea embraced. I started to go to a, uh, another idea that was in the reserve, which is where, yeah, you would just add a flat number for all games. And actually, once I started to promote that version, it actually got a little more uh, well receptive right away, well received right away. Uh, just the simplicity of it, I think people enjoy so yeah here we are seeing it now that it is that flat number that's being used so basically at some point it it becomes a race to who gets to 25 first or but the team that trails has x number of points to, to even get to zero does that make sense what i'm saying yeah exactly and that's so uh, in other words if i'm if i got an 18 point lead then, then what that means is, okay, now I just got to get to 25, and this other guy's got to get to 25, but he's got to score 18 points just to get to zero to begin with. So now I have a 43-point lead, basically. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair way to put it. Absolutely. Again, uh, Nick Elam is with us. Um, day job, Ball State prof. Uh, but in the sports world, known as the guy that came up with the Elam ending, um, several people in the NBA world absolutely love it. I know Chris Paul has been a big advocate for it. Nick, what do you hear from like biggest pushback against it? Is it simply we have tradition and we have stats and a record book to uphold? Is that like the biggest pushback? Um, I don't hear the stats 
uh, pushback really at all. I think, uh, you know, a lot of those concerns that uh, were around are starting to, to fade away. And I remember, uh, and I think that's just as more and more people see it in practice. I think they are, uh, you know, starting to embrace it. But yeah, when you hear about it or read about it, uh, just kind of on paper, yeah, I think there's some pushback. And I remember when it was first being implemented, a lot of people thought that the e-learning wouldn't even be able to uh, accomplish its primary objective, which is to eliminate that fouling strategy by the trailing team. Uh, a lot of people thought, well, instead of doing that fouling at the very end of the game, now they're going to start to foul as the as the time portion of the game winds down. It's just going to move that fouling up earlier to the game. Uh, and I always thought, well, I don't I don't think that's going to happen because uh, you know it's, it's more likely to widen your deficit than narrow your deficit. Uh, and under the regular format, even though that's true, you still have no choice. Like you still got to foul, or otherwise the clock's just going to run out and the game's going to be over. Well, with the evil ending, you don't have to foul. There's, you're going to have that other final stretch, that untimed final stretch after the clock runs out. So there's really no reason to hand three points away and foul. So uh, what we saw is that strategy has never really been used. I don't think it ever would be used. But again, that's just one example of some concerns that people had. Uh, going into implementation that are starting to fade away once they see uh, how it works. Again, Nick Elam is our guest. The Elam ending is going to be implemented. Uh, Last thing here, Nick, and I appreciate your time this morning in our final minute. Do you foresee that, in fact, this will become something that we are more and more familiar with because is there the possibility at any level that this will become the adopted finality towards games? So I wish I was really part of the inner circle who could uh, tell you a definitive answer there. But uh, what I can tell you is that people who are in the inner circle have have uh, kind of kept me in the loop a little bit indirectly. And some of the, the steps in the process are already coming true. One of them told me a few years ago that they said, just be patient, give it time. And what he saw is the progression. He said, what I think is going to happen is we're going to first see an overtime in the G League. Then you're going to see it in regulation in the G League. Then you're going to see it in overtime in the NBA. Then you're finally going to see it in regulation in the NBA. Well, right now, this season, and, and especially this week, we're starting to see those early steps of that process come through. We, we've seen uh, it experimented in overtime in the G League now this week and all the games uh, during the fourth quarter. And it's proving itself to be you know solid and, op- and oftentimes spectacular on the court. And if it continues to be embraced as it has, then those final steps of the process might come through of actually seeing it in NBA play. It's got to be pretty cool to see those first steps there. Nick, as I've said to you over the years, it's an absolutely fascinating idea. I love watching games that have it. Um, I think it's just great, great drama uh, and, and really, really good entertainment. So enjoy the G League Showcase. Happy holidays and safe travels. Thanks so much. You too. That's Nick Elam right there on the Payless Sickers Hotline. Jake, when you watch the end of these games, it's like any of us that have played a game to 11 or 21 with our buddies. Think about, you know, little little pucker factor and having to hit the shot to get to 11. Pucker factor. To get to 21. Um, you see some pressure. I mean, we, we've seen it in the All-Star game. You guys watch the fourth quarter of the NBA All-Star game? How different it's been with the Elam ending? Yeah, you're right. Fun drama. It's cool. If you take anything away from the show today, pucker factor. <laughs> That's okay. You guys good to that idea? NBA overtime adopts it? Yeah, I would. I think it's good during the regular season. Just remove the pucker factor. Ryan Walters, Purdue football head coach, tomorrow, 9 o'clock. Everybody have a great day. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.